Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like, um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Morning, everyone. Yes, Ian Smith here from 9 to 12 uh, every weekday morning here on SENZ Radio. And we have got a really busy first day show for you. In the first hour coming up, we're going to be talking to Sam Kane, of course, our, our all-black captain. Not involved at the moment. We'll see where he's at and exactly uh, what he's been thinking about the all-black performances so far. We can talk to Phil Totorangi, uh, of course, legendary New Zealand golfer, been a winner on the PGA himself. And we'll review the Open Championship uh, one just a few hours ago, actually, by Colin Morikawa from the United States. And uh, also in the first hour, a new Olympic sport. A, lo- a new Olympic sport, it's surfing. Ben Kennings, General Manager of Surfing New Zealand, will be with us as well, just to talk about how proud he feels about his sport finally making it. Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy Sermon. Well, good morning, New Zealand. Marina, to you. I'm a proud and privileged member of the new team in town, SCNZ. So from 9 to 12 each weekday, weekday morning, I'll be here with and for you to bring you closer to the stories and the issues, the successes and the failures involving our sportsmen and sportswomen, and to make us all more aware of the various administrations that are charged with delivering us the most endearing of Kiwi passions, that is our sport. Three hours in the hot seat by myself every day. Well, it's a bit of a daunting and slightly scary prospect, I've got to say. But every Lone Ranger needs a tonto, and I'm very, very pleased that my tonto is producer John Day, an accomplished and well-respected broadcaster in his own right. JD will be running the cutter behind the scenes. Between us, we want to bring you the VIPs and the MVPs. They'll be our targets with a little piece off the bench when required. Every day, every week, there are issues and performances in New Zealand sport and racing that cause us to stop and think and form an opinion. That's our right. That's your right. It's our goal to make you better informed. It simply has to be that way. On a personal level, since being a kid, gazing out the window to the playing fields instead of the blackboards of Rongatai College in Wellington and latterly, and briefly, Palmas North Boys High School, I dreamed of either playing or talking about sport. Been one of the lucky ones to make it a career to do what I love and to love what I do. 17 years on the playing field, nearly 30 in the commentary box, mixing with the best and learning from the best, from the Nisbets to the Benos. How cool has that been? Those experiences I also want to bring to you. Pretty easily pleased sort of a guy. Cold beer and a successful bet. Chat with my mates at the local. It's always been very high on my agenda. Terrifically supportive wife and three great sons who are my three best mates. All sporting, jo- all sporting jokers, they just love sport. They provided me with a great base that we all need to operate from. I'm a proud Hawks Bay man too, unashamedly so. And need I remind you that even though New Zealand cricket have decided not to bring the famed mace to our region as part of this national tour, we still house the most famous of all New Zealand sports trophies, the Ranfilly Shield. For that matter, we've got the Hawke Cup as well. Come and get them if you can. Today, right now, 
It's a new journey, a new challenge, and it begins right here. I so want to be part of it all. I hope you will be too. SENZ is Kiwi for sport, and I am a sporting Kiwi. Back in a minute with Sam Kane. Well, my first guest, history-making, Sam Kane is with us now. He tore his tendon and his right pectoral during the Chiefs' win over the Blues back on March the 27th. Uh, Sam's undergone surgery. He's also had some other shoulder issues fixed. His recovery time has been uh, estimated to be four to six months. It's almost four months now. Sam Kane, good morning to you. Morning, Smitty. What a pleasure to be on the on the on the show, first time. Yeah, look, mate, I'm pleased to have you because uh, we talked about getting the MVPs and the VIPs. There's no more important job in sport in this country than uh, being the captain of our rugby team, mate. But it has been frustrating for you, of course, not being able to lead the guys out. Uh, exactly, where are you at with the injury, and and uh, how's uh, progress, and and maybe looking forward, how far out? Yeah, frustrating is a good word. Um, it's probably. Where I was at at the, at the, the early stage, just after diagnosis, um, I'd been told I'd tore my pick. Uh, but then when they went and opened up and had a look, there was about th- there were three other things that needed tidying up. So, so the first initial thought was four to six months, which is the pick range. Once I ended up getting the full shoulder reconstruction, it was always going to be six months. So it is progressing really well. Um, main focus is just getting the full uh, movement the full range back in it because in a, in a surgery like that they just tighten everything up um, so that it's stable again so trying to get the full range back and then um, start trying to work on my strength so hopefully that's not too far down the track because I've lost a few kilos <laughs> Yeah I saw you at the weekend actually a, a bit more on that in a moment uh, Sam clearly uh, you're not going to be named uh, this afternoon then is there any have you got anything in your mind uh, in terms of uh, a goal for you or something you are, you're, you're aiming at yeah, well, I've looked at um, where the six-month mark sits post-surgery, and uh, there's about two or three games um, on the Bay of Plenty on Bay of Plenty's schedule um, before playoffs. So um, it'd be pretty nice to be able to pull on the Bay jersey, and um, if all goes well, then in the year tour, maybe try and sneak on that. Um, just like one of those injuries that'll be ready when it's ready, and um, although I'm probably slightly ahead of schedule at the moment. Um, not hopes up and make sure it's 100%. Sam, uh, that's great news, especially for Bay of Plenty fans as well. I'll be loving the thought of you running out for them first up. Uh, you were part of the group at the weekend. I saw you in uh, an all-black garb. Uh, tell, tell us what your role has been with the side, even though you have been injured and unable to play. Yeah, I've been really uh, fortunate that, that Fozzie and the, and the rest of the team have been keen to have me in for full-time, but um, a few days each week. Normally, we're at the start of the week, it's been. Um, there's probably a few more meetings and discussions and I feel like I can contribute a wee bit more as the week wears on and that it's just about doing and, and the training and sort of leave it, leave it to the boys, but it was really enjoyable to be there and, and watch the game. Game live in the weekend. Um, 
but yeah, just helping out and being a familiar face for the team. Look, Tonga was a bit of a cakewalk. I'm not sure whether you can get too much out of uh, 102-0, which was basically unchallenged, almost a training run, really. But Fiji uh, certainly over the last fortnight have not been in that uh, kind of category at all. In fact, they've been more than competitive, more than physical. Uh, how did you rate Fijians' performance? Yeah, I thought they were outstanding. Um, I think, to be fair, after... I did feel for the Tongans, to be honest, because... Um, Obviously, it's, it's not their top side. Um, Fiji is close to their top side, not quite, but um, I think first of all, everyone really appreciates the sacrifice the Fijian boys made um, think for two weeks to play these test matches. Um, and yeah, their performance uh, had come out, been locked in a room for two weeks and, and play the way they did. Um, yeah, outstanding. So I think everyone enjoyed those tests. Look, I spoke to Ian Foster and Vern Cotter just briefly after the game and they both agreed on the fact that Fiji need rugby and they need more rugby like this and they need it soon. Is there a case when you see that kind of performance? I mean, they would have threatened Australia. They certainly would have threatened France. Any number of sides on those, uh, those two weeks of performance. Is there a case for them looking very seriously at the championship? I think there is, a, as long as there's an agreement with their French clubs, that they're available for those games. Uh, um, we know how long that French season is, with 36 games in a year. So, tipping on your nine internationals at the end of that season, I'm not sure how they'll be able to cope. So there has to be some sort of compromise. But I think we've seen at the World Cup, we may get their full squad assembled and get to spend some time together. Um, yeah, they can seriously challenge the, the top sides. Sam, you, you uh, I imagine, in the dressing room after the game. What, what, what was the feeling uh, within the group? Um, you know, they, they were, I wouldn't say they were beaten up uh, in, in Dunedin. They still won comfortably. They scored nine tries, but they, they were surprised down there. Did, did you feel a, a more of an element of sort of satisfaction in, uh, in Hamilton on Saturday night? Yeah, certainly. It's, um, it's funny how you can look at scoreboards and they're pretty similar, but I think there's a a lot more satisfaction with um, the one in Hamilton. Uh, we are just a little bit more clinical. Uh, we didn't let them into the game as much. Our defence was heaps better. Uh, the only thing was we started a wee bit slow. A few mistakes and a few penalties, but um, yeah, a, a good step in the right direction. Talking to Sam Kane, all-black captain this morning, our first guest, and we're thrilled to, to have him on board with us. Uh, Sam, did you, were you able to, or have you been able to watch the Australian-France series uh, over the last three weeks? No, if I'm honest, I haven't watched too much. Um, I definitely tuned in for the last 10 minutes of the game in the weekend, though. Um, no, I haven't seen much. One of the most contentious issues was the fact that uh, Betty was sent off uh, uh, after, I think, about seven minutes of play. Uh, and it's, it's raised the, the thing about red cards and, and contact with the head in this sort of uh, area again. Uh, what's, what's your feeling in there? I, I know you know you, you're involved in a lot of collision areas. So, uh, are the referees, uh, are the rules, shall I say? Because the referees are only re- really doing what uh, the IRB are telling them to do. Are, are the rules too strenuous? Should be a little bit more liberal to, to, to for instance, to have a, a call like that so early in the game, make it uh, a very, very one-sided affair, or theoretically a one-sided affair so early on in the piece. Um. So what's the question? The question is, what do you think about the way that the red card, yellow card is, is being policed? Yeah, because um, 
the end of the day, whatever the, the contact is, I don't think it should to factor whether it's in the first minute or the 80th minute for the referee. They should be hopefully just referring as they, as it is. And I agree, they're just following the, the letter of the law. Um, my view, the one on the weekend wasn't shouldn't have been a red card. Um, it's, oh, it's such a tricky one. Um, I, I think I'm, I'm a fan of um, continuing to give it another crack of just the 20 minutes in the, in the bin for the guy, the red card, and then he can come back on, but they can replace him with someone else like we did during um, rugby. Do you like the captain's challenge? No, nah, I don't like the captain's challenge. I mean, ideally, we've got, we've got four sets of eyes from referees. They shouldn't be sucked. It's must. If there is on this blatant stuff that the crowd, you know, that one sitting there watching sees, but the three guys out on the field don't pick up on, I believe the TMO should be able to come and chip on those. But we were getting to the stage where we had, it was a few, a few too many calls getting missed. That's how the captain's challenge came about. But I don't like the way it slows the game up. One of the most remarkable things about that game on. Saturday night between Australia and France is the fact Australia won it. They won it with 14 men for 73 minutes. How, as a captain, do you take that news, you know, that you're losing a player and you've got that far to go, and readjust to the fact that, I mean, Michael Hooper clearly in Australia did a fantastic job to go on and win that game? Well, an absolute fantastic job. I think we've had um, a couple of recards in the last couple of years and We've really, um, you know, struggled to that. So um, to, to see them do that, um, he would have, we would have gone together and out and focused on doing what they can do. And um, sorry about that. Um, impressive. Um, I think it's probably easier. Like losing a, a winger than a forward, which really affects the, the lineouts and your scrums, etc. Um, it's certainly something we, as an all black team and a leadership group, have looked at a little bit close, more closely after after last year's loss involving the red card. That's right, the one in Perth though, with uh, Scott Barrett. Uh, just finally, Sam, um, uh, two, three weeks time it is August the seventh, I think, uh, Australia, New Zealand at Eden Park. Uh, you know, always Bledisloe Cup games are huge encounters anyway, but for you guys, uh, one of your teammates uh, has uh, got to celebrate his 100th match, Aaron Smith. Um, look, fantastic play. You don't play 100 tests without being very, very good for the All Blacks anyway, but what has Aaron Smith meant uh, to you uh, as a teammate? Yeah, it's going to be pretty special, all right? Um, oh, look, we came in to the All Blacks at the same time. Um, he's one of those players who's come in and you know, just sort of demand a starting position right from the outset and he's had an amazing run he, he's in his own admission he would admit that he's grown up in this All Blacks team and grown up a lot as, as a person um, I was no denying his commitment and desire as a player to, to be the very best he can be and the very best All Blacks team that we can so even in the last yeah, particularly when I stepped into the captaincy role, he's a massive, massive help, and he's he's doing the same again for Sammy Wylock. So I think he's a, a very much a, a liked and popular teammate and world class. So um, 
be a real special moment for him and his family. Sure. Well, Sam, hey, look, thanks very much for joining us uh, and, and giving us an update on where you are. And uh, on behalf of rugby fans around the country, let's hope uh, the rehab and uh, everything goes to plan and we can see you in that Bay of Plenty jersey sooner rather than later, although perhaps not against Hawks Bay, mate. Look forward to it. <laughs> Cheers, Smitty. OK, Thanks folks, Sam Kane there with us this morning. Uh, let's, we've got uh, a number you can contact us on, of course. Uh, it's 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. Or text us on 8833. Uh, how did you think the All Blacks went? Uh, I mean, it's a pretty simple question first up. Were you impressed? How did Fiji impress you? Uh, are we on the right track? It's early on in the piece. A lot of test matches this year. Give us a call or send us a message back shortly. Afternoons with Staffy, part of the new team in town. Today from midday on SENZ, it's Kiwi for Sport. Don't miss a kick with the SENZ app in your pocket wherever you are around New Zealand. Whether you're in the car, on the couch or at the track, tune into the TAB Trackside channel on the SENZ app for the latest racing running around the country. Greyhounds, harness, gallops, you'll know exactly where you are in the running thanks to the SENZ app. Make sure you're in the finish and download the SENZ app today. Little Avondale, standing purr and canto. Eight years, 259 Australasian yearlings and RTR horses sold, averaging 11 times his service fee. Little Avondale, standing time test. 23 Australasian yearlings sold, averaging 7.4 times his service fee. Little Avondale, the New Zealand stud that stands the top two stallions for return on service fee. Little Avondale, big on winning. Backing the breeder since 1940. Stay connected to SENZ no matter where you are or what you're doing. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SENZ underscore radio, where you can keep tabs on Baz, Izzy, Smithy, Staffy, Kirsty, Beaver and Ricky. Or catch up with all the latest sports news on our website, senzradio.co.nz. Whether it's on air or off, you'll never miss a moment from the SENZ team. SENZ. It's Kiwi for sport. I'm V8 supercar driver Andre Heimgartner. I trust my on-track performance and success to the lubricants with a winning reputation. With a high-quality range of products, Penrite has what it takes to protect everything from your daily driver to your performance car. And Penrite Oil has been powering Kiwis to success for over 30 years. For more details, check out the Penrite website or contact your nearest Penrite stockist. Trust Penrite, I do. Get back on track with Penrite Oil. Visit penriteoil.co.nz to find your nearest stockist. If you're a Kiwi racing fan, the New Zealand Racing Podcast channel by SENZ is for you. Whether it's hearing from legends of the industry on racing tales of the turf or keeping up with the current landscape on Breakfast with the Kiwis, you'll never leave without a gem to take away. Wherever you get your podcasts and, of course, in the SENZ app, make the New Zealand Racing Podcast channel priority listening today. By Kiwi racing fans, for Kiwi racing fans, with SENZ. It's time to make the call and switch to Kogan Mobile because right now, new customers can get started with Kogan from just $5 for 30 days. That's New Zealand's cheapest prepay mobile deal with unlimited calls and texts and a big 15 gig of data. Thousands of Kiwis have already made the call. Get started now with Kogan Mobile from just $5 for the first 30 days at koganmobile.co.nz slash rugby. $35 per month thereafter. Change or cancel your plan at any time. So, you've lost the day's quaddy picks. 
I bet you weren't listening or didn't write them down because, oh yeah, I'll remember these. Well, with the Quaddy app, you'll never miss your numbers again. The Quaddy curates the best Quaddy picks and even lets you share your own numbers with other punters wherever they are. Hey, one of our pro punters just updated their Quaddy numbers. So go on, download the Quaddy from your app store and never miss your numbers again. Looking for horsepower? Westbury Stud's 2021 lineup of stallions is simply unrivaled. With proven Group 1 producers, including Reliable Man and El Rocker, Zelperian has a Group 2 winner in Stormy, and the list of outstanding stallions goes on. Proven track records, and all with Westbury Stud's attractive no-fold, no-fee policy. Find out more about the 2021 stallion lineup now at westburystud.com. Get your horsepower with Westbury Stud. Dominated for decades. Decades. Now, SENZ is giving you the opportunity to be part of it. We've got a trip to Perth for the Bledisloe Cup on August 21, thanks to Ballpark Entertainment. All you've got to do is be a part of SENZ. The best caller over the month will be packing their bags with the ABs for the famous Trans-Tasman battle. Until then, 0800 811. If it's happening in New Zealand sport, you'll hear about it on SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. There's a new team in town. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's 9.24, folks. You're listening to Mornings with Ian Smith on the brand spanking new SENZ Sport. We are Kiwi for Sport and we're so proud and so happy uh, to be with you and on air, up and running. So give us a call, 0800 150 811, 0800 150 811. I'll tell you why you should, because you can be a big winner in this first month. The caller of the month will win a trip 4-2 to Perth for the Bledisloe Cup. So there's return flights to Perth, two nights accommodation, including breakfast, which I'm a huge fan of, as you probably would suspect. Pre-game function, including food and drinks, also popular, premium reserved seating. And I tell you, I've been to Optus Stadium. I've been there for a rugby test we lost. I've been there for a cricket test we lost. I won't be going this time around because I'm obviously the jinx. But Optus Stadium is probably one of the most user-friendly, most beautiful facilities that you will uh, enjoy. It's so much better than anything we've got in New Zealand. Uh, I'm happy to say that, and honestly, it is just great. It's walking distance from the CBD in Perth, and it's about six, seven minutes walk to the casino. So just simply and absolutely fantastic. 8833 is uh, your text number. And JD, John Day, welcome to the show. I want to hear your voice. Everyone wants to hear your voice because it's familiar anyway to uh, people uh, in the news and sport around New Zealand. But uh, we've got some action on the text already. Yeah, absolutely, Smithy. How good is this, by the way, on the radio talking sport to New Zealand? It's just a dream come true. This is unreal. Fantastic. And we're giving away epic prizes to people who call. So people have been a bit shy to call, uh, but we have got a lot of text messages. Hi, Smithy. Good luck. You're a fine man. Your show will be great. Cheers from Anthony and the fellow builders. Okay. So are you getting some work done on your place, are you? Is that a freebie? <laughs> no. My builder's called Dave Holiday. <laughs> so there's your freebie. Work that out. Morning, Smithy. Good luck this morning. I have three boys as well. Love sport and love a bet. Cheers, Gavin. And morning, Smithy. Great to have sport on the radio again. You forgot that Hawks Bay also holds another major trophy, the Chatham Cup. Oh, of course. 
Napier. How could you forget that? I have no. I, you know, the son is a footballing guy who won it, I think, too, with Napier City Rovers when he was down there playing. So how, how could I have forgotten that? Actually, I did, I did forget to acknowledge the fact that Ballpark Entertainment uh, are providing that wonderful prize. So please give us calls throughout the morning. That's, uh, it's going to be an exciting trip. It really will be. So, yeah, so that's interesting, JD. Look, an all-black side being named at uh, 11 o'clock this morning. We will have that shortly after the 11 o'clock news. Uh, any surprises from what you've seen in the last couple of weeks? I don't think so, Smithy. It's the same number of people, isn't it, that they've already got, so there won't be a mass cull or anything. So we're kind of just looking at who will be available now. And one of those big names is TJ Pedernada. He obviously not available for selection for these last test matches because... He was off contract mm. in Japan and hadn't played Super Rugby. But now he's returned to play club rugby in Wellington, which makes him eligible. Do you put TJ Piranara straight back into your all-black squad at the expense of, say, a Finlay Christie? Well, Finlay Christie's done nothing wrong. Oh, what I will say about this all-black selection panel, with uh, basically Ian Foster and Grant Fox, uh, is, is that they're very faithful. And even if you've been injured, you get a chance to come back if you've been carrying an injury, etc. TJ Piranara is not quite in that bracket. So that'll be an interesting call. What about the hooking role? I mean, obviously, Cody Taylor, Dane Coles are absolute stone-cold certainties set in concrete. What about the new boy on Saturday night and his battle with uh, Asafa Omoa? Yeah, well, Asafa Omoa's been the project, hasn't he? Uh, they like projects, All Blacks coaches, and he mm. looks like he's got a lot of potential. But Samasoni Tokiyaho... What a debut on your home ground in Hamilton. It doesn't get much better than that, does it? So he was banging down the door all season as well for the Chiefs, I think, and last year. Like, he's just not a guy who's just turned up. I think he's been putting in the yards for a couple of seasons. So I'm tempted to go with the form horse here, Smithy, to speak in racing parlance. Mm-hmm. I would go Tokiaho over Osafaro Moore. I'm, you know, I'm interested... I spoke to Ian Foster. Ian Foster said, look, I have uh, no problem really with the squad I'm going to pick. We're, we're pretty comfortable in, in every single area because uh, I've got luxuries. I've got depth. And, you know, we know that. It's been the case the All Black Way for quite some time. But who will get that 15 jersey? I, I think Richie Moonga gets 10. Who will get Who will get 15? Who will get 14? Who will get 11? I mean, Will Jordan, Seve Reese, George Bridge done nothing wrong. I mean, who who's going to fill those midfield uh, spots, the one um, vacated by the injury? To good you. Uh, these are the questions I think more about the back line this time around. And have we got a, a really settled loose forward trio? So I, I really don't know yet. Um, we'll find out at 11 o'clock. We'll find out at 11 o'clock. So Ian Foster uh, will announce that side and we'll have it f- as soon as we possibly can. Uh, well, we're going to talk to Phil Totorangi uh, after the news very shortly because uh, the open finished overnight. It was a really good finish, a really comfortable win in the end. A couple of shots, if you can call that comfortable to a player I believe uh, is going to make a lot of noise in golf in the next four or five years. I think Phil will confirm that. And uh, I'm a golf fan. I'm a, a real golf fan. I absolutely love it. Four majors plus the Players' Championship and so much other great golf that's brought to us and lands in our lap uh, over the weekend. Uh, and over the last weekend, of course, uh, the last major of the year was played in the Open Championship to crown the champion golfer. Uh, and it was won uh, a matter of hours ago, actually. Quite comfortably, it seemed in the end, by Colin Marikawa, a 24-year-old from the United States. Now won two majors in the last 18 months. Uh, Phil Tauterangi, uh, of course, New Zealand golfing legend, is uh, with us now. Uh, Phil, of course, won, winning on the PGA himself uh, and, of course, uh, the Australian PGA as well. Seems a little while ago, Phil, but um, however, <laughs> great, great to have you with us, mate. And, and of course, um, you'd have been watching it. And he, he looks pretty calm, this guy, Morikawa. 
Yeah, right. Nice to be on with you, Smithy, and nice to uh, be on with uh, all of your listeners and looking forward to being part of the ECN team and, and talking golf uh, and a number of other different sports. Good thing I'm, a, I'm not only a golf fan, but I'm a rugby and cricket fan as well, racing fan as well, Smithy, so I think it's going to be a good combination. Talking with you uh, early in the week and racing the golf results. You're right, Morikawa, he does look very much the cool customer, very much belies his, his, his kind of youthful age, I guess, and his, his inexperience in these big tournaments. Uh, you know, the, he's, he's never played Lynx golf before. This was his debut in the Open Championship, and the way he handled himself this morning. Yep, I was up watching most of the action here this morning as it, as it completed. Uh, you would have thought that uh, he'd been in this position a numerous times, and so very cool customer handled it with absolute aplomb, and, and I think it won't be the last time we see him hoisting a major championship trophy. Uh, Phil, uh, obviously uh, there's a difference between playing courses like Royal St George's and, and coming off where they play uh, the PGA predominantly in the United States. Uh, was it the conditions, were they fairly benign by Lynx standards this week? I mean, you know, the, today looked a beautiful day, for instance, as the final day of the tournament. Uh, did they get it tough? Yeah, well, you, you're right, Smith, and you bring up a really interesting point, because as I mentioned, this is the first time that, that Morikawa was played Lynx golf. He, he played last week in the Scottish Open and, and made a couple of tweaks to his technique and to his equipment because he'd never played on turf this firm before. He'd never played on fescue grass before. And usually the, the, the putting surfaces on the PGA Tour, of course, are so much quicker than they are in the UK. So he had to be a quick teach and, and made some adjustments. And so, yeah, sure, the conditions were far more benign than we, we tend to see for the Open Championship and, and no doubt that that would have played into into his hands but I know I was thinking about it this, this morning this is kind of like someone going to Wimbledon and winning without having played on grass courts before it's like someone going to Monaco and winning and never never driving a, a street course before and, and, and that is the difference with playing links golf the, 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 not only are the conditions different, the turf is different um, the, the grasses that you play off, the bunkers that you play out of, and, and with all of the different regulations and restrictions that the players were playing under this week, it was a totally foreign golf experience and tournament experience for Morikawa, for all the players that were in the field, but certainly for Morikawa, who'd never played linked golf before. And as I say, uh, looking at him striding in the 18th hole today, you would have thought he had been there, done that on numerous occasions. And so... Yep, look, the conditions were, were maybe a, a little more leaning towards someone who was a rookie or, a, or someone was making his debut in the championship. Maybe the experience factor wasn't so much that fell into the lap of, uh, of, of Louis Eustazen. But nonetheless, I think the, uh, the, the way that Morikawa played, you start the day one back, you shoot a bogey 366. Uh, it's always going to be tough to catch someone when they don't make a mistake. Just too hard for Louis Oosthuizen to go, uh, you know, to, to lead right throughout and, and to take it out. I mean, here's a guy who obviously has won uh, the, the Open Championship in the past, and he's had six or seven seconds in majors since. So he must have thought, perhaps teeing it up last night, that uh, he might be going to break back in and, and get that winner's trophy. But uh, how hard, man, leading from go to woe? Yeah, really, it takes a lot of energy out of you. You've got to sleep on the lead three nights in a row, and... Uh, that just, just takes a little bit more energy out of you. Um, I mean, and I think the, the thing with these days is that it's a long while ago uh, since he, he picked up his maiden win back at St Andrews where they'll be next year for the Open Championship back in 2010. Uh, was trying to become just the third player in history to win two major championships, 11 
years apart. But he's, he's kind of had that, that, I guess that game has got him to that, that place of being a contender, but not necessarily a closer. Uh, this is the fourth time he's taken the lead in the final round of the major championships. He's only come out with the trophy one time. And so when you have a look at his game, it's, it's right there for the picking. Uh, he's done a lot of work on his putting. He's become way more consistent. He's a big-time player, very similar to Kepka in a, in a way that the big tournaments, when they roll around, it seems like it brings out the best in him. However, he just looked like he was a, um, you know, he, he needed the whip, basically, this morning. Uh, and when he went for it, um, it wasn't there. The ball striking was just a little bit off. A little calamity on the par five. The seventh hole went up green side. Uh, ended up scaling his bunker shot across the green. Ended up making six. Morikawa made four. That was a pivotal two-shot swing. And, and it just looked like he was a step behind Morikawa the entire way. Confirmed, of course, that uh, Jordan Spieth is back. I mean, you know, he was in the wilderness for quite some time, but a little bit like Ricky Fowler's going through at the moment. But Spieth very, very close again. Ryan Fox, a little bit disappointing, you think, Foxy, will be uh, after recording that last round score? Yeah, he will be. Uh, really solid couple of 68s to start out with, and it was kind of right there in the hunt, and emotionally needed to jump uh, in the third round and, and, and make that move. Unfortunately, went backwards yesterday. He remarked that, the driving, which has never been, you know, the, the, the straightest, uh, it's fair to say, but he's got the length that, that can counter that. And it looks like he just had a tough time putting the ball in play over the last couple of days enough, or at least close enough to the fairway committee to, to be able to score. He did play with Kepka, who shot 65 here today, and so sometimes you can kind of get it a little bit blown out of the water if your game's going in the wrong direction. His is, uh, is climbing up the leaderboard, and you feel like he's spending most of the day just trying to stay out of his way. It'd be, be great, another, another good, great day to log some experience for Foxy, though. Look, another cut made in the major championship. You hang around the big boys long enough, you end up learning enough that um, you know, may well be that we've got to wait not over 250 days until the next major championship, but he's got plenty of big golf between now and the end of the year. Um, I'm, I'm sure he will take plenty away from the weekend. And, and young Dan, Dan Hillier as well, some of these. Um, playing into his second major championship, shot 71-72, so just missed the cut. However, he also would have uh, logged plenty of experience before he finishes the year on the Challenge Tour. The show is called Tee It Up with Phil Tautarangi. It's Saturday morning, every Saturday morning at 7 o'clock. Thanks uh, very much, Phil, with your, your review of the Open. I uh, look forward to hearing you here on SENZ Sport on Saturdays from this Saturday onwards. Thank you, my friend. Coming up uh, very shortly, we've got surfing. Yep, surfing. Why? Because it's now an Olympic sport. Ben Kennings is going to tell us more. He is the guru of New Zealand surfing. Surfing is one of the four new sports at the Tokyo Olympics. Who would have thought I would be talking about surfing on my first day in this job? But to help me with my surfing education and yours, I'm sure, it's a great thrill to welcome into the show the general manager of Surfing New Zealand, Mr. Surfing in New Zealand, Ben Kennings. And Ben, how proud are you? You've been involved in the sport of surfing for such a long time. You were probably involved in what was just considered a pastime and a bit of fun for people. Something you did, you know, just for the heck of it with your mates. You've grown up with it. So how satisfying for you as general manager? Oh, it's amazing. You know, ever since 2016, uh, when it was announced and like the ISA, the International Surfing Association, they've tried to get surfing into the Olympics for years and been knocked back uh, somewhat similar to squash for many years. Uh, and a lot of us never thought that the time would come. 
Um, but Fernando Orgiri, the president of the RSA, he just pushed and pushed and he got the right people in there and all of a sudden, here we are. So it's amazing. It just adds that little bit more structure around the sport. Um, yes, it's a lifestyle. We understand that. And it's amazing for well-being and health and stuff. But there is a sporting side to surfing and uh, that's going to be on show next week. Being on the subject of health and well-being, of course, uh, you're going to have a very novel Olympics in that regard in terms of COVID. Now, your event, or the surfing's event, is at uh, Surigasi, Surigasaki Beach, which is about 100 k's away from the Olympic Stadium and the Olympic Village. So what do you know about uh, the precautions, etc., the protocols for the surfers? Yes, so we're splitting up our time. We've got a little bit of time in the village, then we go out to the coast. Um, the majority of teams are all in two hotels. Uh, they're right on the beach. They're about six minutes drive from the event site, but we're basically going from the hotel to the event site and back, and that's all we're allowed to do. So um, there's no going out to any local restaurants or sightseeing or anything like that. Uh, and, of course, as uh, most people know, we're, we're leaving uh, probably on the first charter flight back, which will be within 24 hours, potentially 24 hours of the um, the gold medal ceremony. We have two uh, contestants, one of the men's, one of the women's, of course. Billy Sturmond is uh, representing us. Uh, he's an $81 shot to win it, just by the by. We are a betting station as well. And Ella Williams is also an $81 shot to, to win the women's event take the, to bring the gold medals home. Uh, tell us a wee bit. Inform us. Make us better educated about our two contestants, Ben. Yeah, well, to be honest, those odds have shortened up, Smithy. So um, I think they started at about 151 or something mate. like that. Not allowed to have a bet, but I do keep an eye on it. Okay. <laughs> um, no, uh, Billy Stearman and Alice, so they both qualified in 2019. Uh, they got the Oceania, Oceania qualifying spots. Uh, we could have had um, two males and two females, but we didn't quite get there. Um, so Billy is from Raglan in the Waikato, and Ella Williams is from Whangamataa on the Coromandel. Um, two brilliant surfers. Uh, they... Uh, just jumping out of their skins to get over there. Great ambassadors for the sport. So they've competed around the world on the World Qualifying Series. Um, Ella Williams was World Junior Champ in 2013 as well. So um, they've definitely had their fair share of results. Um, Billy's actually placed third, third in a World Qualifying event uh, at the same beach previously. So um, looking forward to seeing them in action um, and seeing what the surf's like. Now we've got forecasting we're just about starting to see what um, day one and two will be like in terms of conditions and size of waves so that's really important actually conditions uh you know uh, if, if you haven't got waves you haven't got surfing so very reliant on that how long is the surfing event supposed to take all going well how does it work yeah so it starts on the 25th and all things going to plan there's four days of competition I'll be finished on the 29th. There's four extra days uh, in case the surf is too small, which can occur in Japan, um, or if the conditions aren't favourable. I understand there's been a few um, storms ripped through um, the Tokyo area in the last couple of days, or I think it's their wet season, just coming out of the wet season. Um, so, yeah, four days. Basically, uh, the event starts with four-person heats. Top two go through. It's kind of like tennis, the top two go through and then you slowly dwindle down the field. 20 males uh, and 20 females, so 
Uh, once they get to the top 16, that's when it goes head-to-head and you go top eight, top four, uh, then there'll be a third and fourth um, playoff for bronze and the gold medal match as well. So, um, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one. You've got to rely, it's a little bit like sailing. You've got to rely on some wind and some mm. conditions, but you've also got to rely on the waves. So it's a real dynamic playing field. In your mind, who are the favourites? Oh, I don't know if you can go past the Brazilian team of current world champ Italo Ferreira and uh, current rankings leader Gabriel Medina in the men's. The woman's probably looking like Carissa Moore. She's the star out of America, a Hawaiian surfer. And Stephanie Gilmore, Sally Fitzgibbons from Australia, very strong as well. And probably uh, Kanoa Igarashi, who is the, uh, the top Japanese surfer. Ben, I'm, I'm kind of thinking having a surf shop might not be a bad thing in about a month, leading into spring, into summer, and on the back of uh, the Olympics giving it this, this much exposure. This is great for surfing, isn't it, long term? Yeah, it is. It's huge. So obviously we get the profile and we're part of the Olympic family, which is massive. Um, it just shows that there's a pathway. Um, what we're starting to see is a lot of um, high schools recognising surfing, recognising their students that compete as well. So starting up um, surf teams and surfing academies. So that's got to all be really positive. And then, you know, just that aspirational value of seeing a, a surfer at the Olympics um, going for gold medals, mixing with all the other top athletes around the country, um, super positive, and it's just good profile for our sport. Hey, Ben, look, uh, we're so pleased that surfing has made the cut this time around. Uh, look forward to to uh, our two contestants doing so well for us. And uh, I, I really hope that uh, surfing gets out of it, what surfing's put into it over so many years. And I wish you well for it. Yeah, thanks heaps. And, and you know, it is up to our organisation and our network of board rider clubs to make the most of it and, and make sure... Um, Surfing's there and it's available for all the kids around the country. Ben Kenning's there, General Manager Surfing New Zealand. Certainly is an exciting time for surfing uh, and all the other events as well, but uh, especially on debut in Tokyo this time around. So, yep. Comes over, Loveridge away to Pukeri, handles for the ball. First time in Test Rugby. Houston up and through a chance for Wilson. Stu Wilson, yep. Who will ever forget him? Who will ever forget that time in our lives 40 years ago when the Springboks toured here in 1981? 16 games were scheduled. Only 14 took place with games in Hamilton and Timaru abandoned due to crowd invasions and for security reasons. We got to the stage where Kiwis were fighting Kiwis. It was ugly. It was really, really ugly. Very rarely do you get a chance to talk to someone who is right in the thick of it. Stuart Sinclair Wilson, all black number 772, born in Gore, fluent something already on this radio show. Stu, good morning to you. I think you're in Tauranga these days, aren't you, mate? Yes, I am, Ed, in Tauranga, on God's waiting room, is what I call it. God's waiting, waiting room. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> a lot of retirement villages down here. <laughs> <laughs> Got one. There's a door with my name on it, not too far away, Stewie. Hey, listen, uh, 40 years. Did you, re- did you really think it was 40 years ago? I mean, uh, I remember aspects of it like yesterday. Yeah, well, I, I do actually because uh, that on the 22nd of July, which is my birthday, um, yep. the Springboks played their first match against Poverty Bank, Gisborne. 
So there's a, it's easy to remember the tour. And of course, uh, again, a couple of days later, uh, in July 1981, the game against uh, Waikato at Hamilton was cancelled or abandoned because of the protesters getting onto the track. So you're a guaranteed picker in this all-black side going, and you knew you were going to be part of this tour at some point. The first test match which you were involved with, of course, was game eight. So much had happened along the way. What were your thoughts? Can you remember your thoughts about the possibility of it not happening or the possibility of what you might get involved in? Um, well... We had a crystal ball and we thought we, we knew what was going to happen within, you know, six to eight weeks' time, you know, from the first game that the, the box played. You know, probably a lot of us wouldn't have put our hands up and said, yeah, well, we'll have a crack at them. But we did. And we just hoped that uh, the police and Muldoon had made pretty clear that the police had uh, a pretty wide hand to be able to stop protesters, uh, preventing games being cancelled and preventing getting to make sure that the the players or, or the, the spectators that wanted to see the game to get to the game in a, in a way which was safe but in the end of course uh, that didn't happen so you know it was it was one of those things where I'm sure that if I went around the, all of your blacks now that are still alive and said you think we should have played against them in 81 most of them probably now after what we saw what happened and how it divided the country probably would say but when I probably would have said no. How much pressure did you feel under playing in those games? Because you knew at that time by the first test match just how much it had sort of divided the nation. And, and, you know, we are a rugby nation after all, and it's usually the most dominant factor we talk about when it comes to sport. At that time, how aware of of, uh, the split were you? Well... I was very aware because at the time in, in 81, my, 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 my then wife was a protester. Wow. So we had a house, we had a house in Island Bay. And on Saturday, I said, uh, you know, during the week, I met up with the All Blacks. And I said, she said, good luck on the field. And I just turned her in and said, good luck off the field. <laughs> I'd made her a, uh, a shield out of an old, um, quite a hard um, rubbish tin, put up a handle behind it. Uh, we went down and bought a, uh, a motorcycle helmet and uh, I said to make sure you get safe because she was front line. She was up there with Minto, you know. Yeah. She's pretty, uh, she had pretty hard views. But the thing about that, in that week leading up to that game in Wellington where she went off to the protesters and I went off to the All Blacks to have a crack at them, you know, she, we got rung up. We had an unlisted phone number. I got an unlisted phone number because I was getting phone calls on my landline, of course, not a lot of not a lot of mobiles in those days, and people were abusing me at night. Uh, and little did they realise that the lady beside me was actually a protester too. So somehow they got my number, even though I asked and paid for an unlisted number. So that's how strong, and that's the connections that the protester movement had with through John Minto, and uh, yeah, that's what happened. And of course, what really annoyed me, Smithy, this all happened in Wellington, and it made me so angry and so determined to to get my bit in there when I was going to play them three tests in a row. When I found out that my mother and father were walking up Rintoll Street at the back of Millard Stand to go and watch me play the first test against the Springboks, and they got jostled and knocked over. My father got knocked over by the protesters with a slice, with a, with a side-on punch, which has now become illegal. And he went down, and then they went home. I, I was so incensed by that 
that I said, stuff you buggers, I will play against these guys and I'll rip their throats out and I'll cause, at least I'll do my bit, do my bit for saying yes, I'll play against them. And that's what turned me. I was getting a little bit nervous. But Jesus, when your mum and dad get knocked over by protesters just on the way to go and see their son play a game of rugby, you see, that's illegal. And Stuart, that's what annoyed us. Oh, Stuart, I'm, I'm, I'm moved by this. Uh, I mean, because this is all very new to me and I'm sure it's uh, really, really new to our listeners as well, just how close to home and close to the heart, close to the bone it was for you. Can, can I, I mean, normally, I mean, times have changed anyway in terms of uh, all blacks getting together. These days, they, even at home, they tend to stay as a unit. Uh, so you got together as a unit. Um, what about the security around the team? What about match day? Yeah, tight, tight, really. We weren't allowed to keep, like, you, you know, you roomed up with a couple of guys in the two-door room, sometimes three, depending on how, how big the hotel is, and no doors were allowed to be closed. It had to stay open 24 hours a day, and we had um, members of the police squads, reds, blues, and whatever they were, coming up and down. They were patrolling inside and outside. You couldn't get in. It was as tight as a shark's fart, you know? <laughs> and they had to because they were getting threats. You know? That's the thing. And you had to take the threats seriously. And um, so, therefore, you know, we, were, we had a ring around us in our hotel of police outside and inside. And therefore, because we were therefore, we got quite friendly with the members of the police force. And they were telling us what was happening. And they were telling us that a big gang element was, was settling into the, into the protesters and it was all going to happen in Auckland. And that's when it was going to be World War Seven, And it was. And they knew that. They're not stupid. You know, they had guys inside some of those protest movements who, who, were, who were sending back messages to the police. And they took every threat seriously. So if someone said they were going to bomb our hotel, then we had to have, make sure that no one could do that. And that's what it, and it was exactly the same with the South Africans. When you have to stay in the live and work and live, in, live inside a, a squash court on mattresses and you know, on the floor for safety reasons, and you know, it's just pretty bloody serious. Stuart, can we move right forward to that uh, that test match at Eden Park? It was nicknamed the Flower yeah. Bomb Test. Uh, so much happened uh, in the course of 80 minutes, which turned out to be a lot longer, obviously, because of the stoppages. But your memories of that and just how damn hard it was to focus on rugby. Yeah. But then, you know, Smithy, I always say that, you know, you can teach someone to gain strength and fitness. But you can't train someone to have mental, mental fortitude, mental strength. And on that day, all of us had to rely on our mental. We, we knew we had the ability physically and our talent would, would get us a game if we got a few lucky breaks. But it was a team that had the most strong mental attitude. And we knew that South Africa always had it. Sometimes the All Blacks let themselves down when they go a bit soft in the brain. But on that day, I was so we were all determined and to make sure that our mental attitude is going to get us through this game, to block everything out. But then suddenly this bloody plane started floating over and knocking, a, knocking out Gary Knight with a flower bomb. Probably would have killed Alan Houston if it had him. But, you know, we, with that, we were more determined to make sure that we did the job. We did our job. As long as we... Imagine if we'd lost the Test Series. That would have been even worse. Having the country divided and then losing the Test Series. Having the country divided as, as violently as it was, but winning a Test Series basically just gave me a bit of breathing space. And the thing is... We knew that plane. Uh, Andy Dalton, at one time when we had, the play had to stop because of that plane zipping over, he said, don't look at the plane. We all such looked at him and said, don't look at the plane. Don't be stupid, mate. That plane's nearly landing on top of us. And we said, everyone could think. 
What happens if his engine cuts out? And he, he, and he goes into the grandstand. He'll take 10,000 people with him. <laughs> now that, that's, you see what happens if say, I legally played a game of rugby which was not against the law. Not, I wasn't breaking any law. I might have broken a few hearts by saying I was going to play. But the guy that drove that plane was illegal. The protesters that got into fights were illegal. You can protest legally in this country, and we still do it today. We've seen massive um, protests since 81. And if you do it legally, there's not a problem. As soon as you step outside that, that circle that says that's illegal, the cops can go in. So you see, what we did as a team, Stewie. we legally beat them, but the protesters didn't. Uh, Stewie, honestly, uh, I could have talked uh, another hour of, of, with that. You know, uh, fantastic stories. Unfortunately, we've run out of time. We've got to move on. But thanks for sharing those thoughts with us. And, and all the best down there in, in Tauranga and in the waiting room, as uh, you so nicely put it. Make room for me. Uh, yeah, it's coming up to 10.15 here on SENZ Sport. John Day, uh, you weren't alive back in those days as such. Have you ever done any research on that tour? I mean, it was so famous in our history. For instance, I, I sat down with my dad. I was 24 years of age. I sat down with my dad, and, and we were going to watch the Waikato game. Yep. And that was when they broke through the old, uh, they were pretty flimsy sort of fences at Rugby Park back in the old stadium days, and, and they accumulated in the midfield, and they weren't going to be moved, and, and it got really ugly. People who paid tickets to watch uh, the All Blacks, uh, sorry, Waikato game, uh, you know, were going to be deprived, and it became very obvious at that point. And then the, the police had to step in and separate. And that was a very first real sign. My dad was furious. Yeah, I was, right. I'm a yep. rugby buff. I was angry. My dad was absolute older statesman, absolutely furious. Uh, it, it affected the nation like I've fortunately never seen since. Yeah, well, they said sport, that was the famous line from Robert Muldoon, wasn't it? The Prime Minister at the time, sport and politics don't mix. Uh, mix. This is separate. You know, we can play rugby and we can ignore the politics coming out of South Africa. So was there kind of the older statesmen, they believed that? They were like, yep, Muldoon, that makes sense. Whereas the younger people maybe had gone through the 70s, you know, a bit more of a worldview, the way that they looked at things. Was it a young and old divide during that time? I don't think so. Uh, I, you know, I think it was uh, an educational time for a lot of people who, who, who really didn't know too much about apartheid and had, you know, didn't really think it applied to anything that would ever happen in New Zealand. Uh, and, and all of a sudden it did. Uh, and, you know, and, and history will say that uh, after that period of time, uh, South Africa were ostracised. Away. It, did, it, it did certainly publicise that, the yep. fact that it would be that run that deep in this country. Uh, look, yeah, uh, incredible. I mean, I, I played in 1992 against the South African cricket team when they first were reintroduced. And uh, the fact of the matter is there, you know, uh, that was the first time South Africa had been back into international sport. Um, so and they were very pleased, and we were pleased to have them back. But they had to do their penance, and, and that tour was a, yeah, a huge part of it. So, hey, very very uh, influential on in the thoughts of people. We're going to talk more about this actually uh, very shortly. We've got a panel coming up. Every day we're going to have a panel of learned people. Today we've got uh, uh, world-acclaimed journalists, I'm going to say, well-published journalist, journalist Liam Napier uh, and Susan McFadden. Uh, they're going to be joining us very, very shortly. And uh, you can actually call in after that, 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. Text on 8833 with your thoughts. Uh, we know it's our first day. You might be a little bit shy to ring up. Don't. I won't buy it. 
He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Very famous time now. Every day, everything's famous today because our first day here on SENZ Sport, it's uh, 10.22. My first panellists, and uh, they'll be forever the first panellists, uh, Suzanne McFadden, celebrated journalist and uh, author, uh, of course, and uh, Liam Nepia, who uh, also is an award-winning journalist, been around the, the New Zealand sporting scene for a long time, Liam Napier. And, and honestly, let's get into it straight away, folks. Uh, uh, Susan, if I can start with you, we just talked to Stu Wilson uh, about uh, the yeah. Springbok Tour of 1981, and he re- recounted some amazing stories. Uh, what, what are your memories? He, he just blew me away with yeah. what he said. I just had no idea. You know, imagine helping his wife make a shield and getting her a helmet so she could go out and protest while he went out and played. That's incredible. I was about 14 at the time and really, really into my sport. And um, my mum still has the scrapbooks of um, clippings of the black cat from that time. I've got a lot of um, drawings I've done of you and your your teammates at the time, Smithy. And I love rugby too. My dad was a, a really good rugby player. And so I, you know, saw it from my, between my dad's eyes, I guess. You know, I was influenced by how he was feeling about, you know, this, this whole controversial time in New Zealand history was unfolding. And um, I remember I had a, a, a cousin who was at the um, Springboks Waikato game at Rugby Park. And, you know, I was just so worried about him getting out of the ground and um, but I, I was really um, not oblivious to, but I, di- I didn't really understand the other side of it. And you know, that as then um, at school I studied history, we started to understand apartheid. And I now know that my view of it would have been really different if, if I'd known about it. And I wonder, you know, how many New Zealanders would have been in the same situation as I was. Look, I totally agree with you. I, I would be absolutely of the same. I was 24 years of age at the time. Uh, Liam, you probably uh, don't remember it in person, uh, but it was uh, certainly something that's been written about, uh, obviously, over the years. Uh, fortunately for us, most of the drama that happens around rugby happens on the field. There's a little bit in, uh, in the weekend, uh, Australia versus France, fascinating series that. Uh, red cards, mate, red cards in rugby. What did you make of that? Yeah, look, on the on the Marika incidents, I guess um, I personally didn't think it was a red card. I think there was enough mitigating circumstances in terms of a, a drop in the ball carrier and some doubt about where the, where the first point of contact was. Um, and I think uh, the bigger issue out of it almost is that we need to crack down immediately on, on, the, on the play acting. You know, it's a blight in the sport of football. We've seen it creep into rugby from time to time with particularly with the Argentinians and, and the French. And, you know, I think it needs to be treated extremely harshly and, and stamped out of the game because, you know, it's got no place in, in the spirit of the game. And, um, yeah, I just I don't, don't want to see it become endemic. And, uh, you know, laying on the ground and playing for red cards has, has no place in the sport. So uh, in terms of the red card itself, the rule, I think, um, you know, there's been a lot of criticism uh, for World Rugby from Ian Foster and Dave Rennie about the fact that World Rugby, um, based on the Northern influence, voted down. Hey, it's Kaylee.
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The uh, possibility of replacing recarded players after 20 months, I think I would like to see that brought in. Obviously, the Wallabies, you know, did, did an amazing job to recover from that and, and win that match. But, you know, in, in 99 instances, and when a, a team loses a player in the first five or seven minutes of a match, they, they're on the back foot and they've got very little chance of winning. So I think there's a number of issues to arise from the incident and it's going to be interesting to see what happens at the judiciary with Marika over the next sort of 24, 48 hours. Yeah, well, indeed, actually. You mentioned Dave Rennie. This is what he had to say about it. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was terribly milked, wasn't it? Um, he's obviously feels he got some head contact and then he's grabbed his face, which is nowhere near the point of impact and it's delayed by five seconds, so... Uh, Tate McDermott in an attempt to stop a try got a forearm straight in the throat. It's a penalty red card and, and disallowed try, but he doesn't lie on the ground and milk it. Uh, Hunter Paisami uh, got a shoulder straight into the jaw. Um, it was at the same time where um, we, we had a penalty advantage uh, from Lenny being tackled high. And But again, Hunter doesn't lie on the ground. Yeah. Um, every time there was anything like a headshot, uh, these guys have been shot by a sniper. So I, I, I find it disappointing. Yeah, I, I do too, actually. I, I concur totally with Dave Rennie. You won't meet a more honest and upfront sort of a bloke than Dave Rennie. Uh, Suzanne, uh, you will be, of course, heavily involved in the coverage of the Olympic Games, which are now just a matter of days away. So much uh, being written, said about it already, and they haven't even got going. Uh, wh- where in your mind are you with them? Are you confident that it's going to happen? Will they go the full distance? Uh, I mean, this COVID issue... It's been so disruptive. This is the biggest event of all. How do you see it? Yeah, really interesting with how this is all going to unfold, especially with the fact that, you know, athletes, some of these athletes, this will be the first time that they've played their sport internationally in 18 months. You know, getting on, um, you know, a really long time since they've competed. And so we're not really going to know who are the favourites here, um, because we haven't seen what's, you know, how these athletes have developed over that time. You know, in New Zealand we've been really lucky, and I think that may give us a little advantage that we've had that time um, to get out on the fields or out on the water, um, even though, you know, in a lot of cases we've been competing against ourselves, but at least we've been able to keep that fitness up. But is it enough? You know, this is going to be really fascinating. And... Um, God, you know, three positive cases in the village already. Two athletes and a um, IOC official who are now isolating in their rooms. But you know, this is going to also be a major part of this event. And um, one thing that really worries me, Smithy, is that all eyes are going to be on the COVID issues. But what's going to happen with um, drug cheats? You know, as the eye go out. Are our eyes still going to be on the ball with that? 
So, yeah, a fascinating Olympics. I think the heat's going to come into it as well. So I'm really happy to be sitting on this side of the world watching, but um, I will be watching every minute of it, I think. No fans, Liam. So it's going to be a strange Olympics anyway if it does uh, progress. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I'm extremely cynical about this Olympics, to be honest. I think there's one reason and one reason only it's going ahead, and that's money, broadcast money. Um, And the IOC have driven this big time, no matter what happens. You know, I think Tokyo's still in a state of emergency. The Japanese people don't don't want the Olympics to go ahead. It was pretty overwhelming uh, feedback that came through from them. Suzanne's just mentioned the, the extremely compromised preparation landscape. And, yeah, I think it's only a matter of time until there's a a mass outbreak in the athletes' village that's going to wipe out, uh, you know, more athletes from competing. We've already seen a a host of high-profile athletes pull out. Coco Guff, the the, uh, American tennis player, is the latest this morning, and I think the the Russians have have pulled a... uh, a rowing boat as well, um, just on, you know, on the eve of the competition. So there's all these issues that really detract from the event itself. You mentioned there that there's there's no fans, so it's going to be a, a pretty soulless experience. I think, you know, you imagine part of the the the, the appeal of the Olympics. You look at an event um, like uh, the hundred meters and, and running down the finish line and, and the buzz that fans create with that, and, and there's going to be none of that. So. Look, I'm extremely cynical about it. I know a lot of these athletes from a New Zealand perspective work so hard and I've already been delayed by a year, so I certainly wish them all the best. But as an event, I personally don't think it should be going ahead. I love journalists because they come up with words that uh, they they come up with words that describe things so quickly, and, and I think uh, that word "soulless" from uh, Liam Napier there will probably be a, a much used word, even from the athletes when they return home. My thanks to my two panelists, Suzanne McFadden and Liam Napier. We're going to have one for you every day, folks. We're also going to give you the opportunity to call us 0800. 150811 is our number. Uh, call after the news, actually, because uh, we've got uh, a few minutes to spare. We'd love to have an opinion from one of, or two of you. Uh, I'm going to ask you what you made of the All Blacks over the last two weeks. Plenty of time to talk about the Olympics going forward. The All Blacks over the last two weeks. Well, at least the weather's better than it has been uh, over the last uh, week or two. Gee, it was shocking, wasn't it? And uh, we've, our thoughts with the people at the top of the South Island. What you're going through, um, it's once in a lifetime, and unfortunately, you're copping at the moment. We really are thinking of you. Caller of the Month. Uh, you can be uh, Caller of the Month, win a trip for two to Perth for the Bledisloe Cup. All you have to do is call 0800 150 11 150811. Uh, thanks to Ballpark Entertainment, you'll be flying to Perth, winging it there to a uh, beautiful hotel. Uh, you'll be able to go to the fantastic, and I mean it, fantastic Optus Stadium to watch the All Blacks try and get some revenge. They've had one visit there, they lost there, and Scott Barrett was actually sent off. Uh, we've got a couple of messages coming through. Uh, thanks very much for your texts uh, and your messages as well. Clado says that uh, Stewie Wilson should win Caller of the Month already. Fantastic interview, that. Clado is actually Mark Clayton. We'll be hearing a lot from him on SEN, don't, SENZ, don't you worry about, when it comes to the, the racing side of things. OK, we've got our very first caller. I'm absolutely thrilled to say... Welcome on to the show, Terry. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about the Springbok Tour? Yeah. Hey, congratulations on the uh, new venture, Ian. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, look, I just I just caught the start of your show coming back, visiting an old school. 
Okay, Rongatai College. Good, good school. Absolutely yeah. good school. Um, yeah. Some great yeah. athletes out of there, hey, look, man. I, you, you, you were yeah, pretty yeah, close to this. I was. I was. Uh, I'm your age. Your your era. Um, and I was at. Uh, I was a cop with two young kids at that point in time. And and hearing Stewie talk about athletic park brought back memories to me because I was part of the team that was on internal security at Athletic Park. When the rugby union moved 32 or 33 brand new single beds in under the main stand to accommodate the Springboks and the management. So they stayed at Athletic Park. They were fed, housed and trained at Athletic Park for four days prior to that test there. Um, And then they had to stay indoors while the All Blacks came up and trained. Because I think from memory the All Blacks were out at what used to be called the the airport hotel out in Coburnia was where they always used to stay. Um, but you look, and I would have, I would have, as a young guy, actually walked in the protest marches with it. I was against it, but as the tour evolved, as a as a policeman on the front line, I would go off on a Saturday morning. I went to Christchurch, I went to Wangarei, uh, I went to New Plymouth uh, and Wellington, um, and every time I flew off. My wife and kids had no idea what was happening to me because we had no cell phones. The only thing that they had was the network news at 6 o'clock and we'd fly off an Air Force plane, might not get back till 8 or 9 o'clock on a Saturday night or, or, or the weeknight. And the only thing that they knew was that hopefully you were OK because no one had knocked on the door to say that you weren't. But it was a, it was a, a traumatic time for the police. Yes, you're absolutely right. The police had an amazing amount of, of uh, intel coming out. When we were on the plane going to Christchurch, we were told that if we ended up in a skirmish line um, and, and we're defending and we're using the knees-up tactic to be very, very careful because the front line of the, of the protest marches down there were wearing cricket boxes and they had screwed screws on the inside of the cricket boxes out to try and rip and do damage to the police officers' knees. That's the sort of thing that started to happen that people didn't know about. Uh, honestly, so revealing and so many stories to come out of it. Uh, hey, Terry, thanks very much for your call. You will be forever our first caller. I am eternally grateful for you making contact with me. Forever our second caller. Jono, you got some thoughts as well about that Springbok tour? No, no, not about the Springbok tour. Okay. It's the, uh, the, the, the All Blacks game on Saturday. First, oh, time, first cool. time listener, first time caller. Fantastic. Uh, welcome on in. And uh, were you impressed by the All Blacks? Were they better than the previous week? Oh, they were better than the previous week, um, but you know I didn't think Fiji played as well um, in week in week one in week two as they did in week one, and, and maybe that's because the All Blacks uh, stepped up and, and um, applied a bit more pressure and dominance um, and asserted themselves a bit more physically. But um, also, I think the ref helped the uh, the All Blacks a fair bit on on Saturday. But I was impressed by two players in particular, um, Akira Owani and um, and David Havili. I think both those players have really stood up and almost cemented themselves as, as I guess, top-line starters in that number-one team. Yeah, I agree with you. I think they, they perform really well. Who's your 15? If you picked a side to start tomorrow, who would your 15 be? Oh, that's a great question. Look, I, part of me wants to see Will Jordan in the 15 jersey. Um, I think he just offers a, just something a little more special. Um, you know, and we haven't seen him there yet, but I, I, part of me wants to see him there. But I, I think if I'm starting, to, you know, this, this test match coming up at Eden Park, I think you're going Damien McKenzie again. You know, you know what you're going to get out of him. Um, he's not going to put you too wrong. Although I don't think he played well um, on Saturday. I think a, a couple of crucial turnovers. You know, yes, that one try-saving tackle where um, he then got the turnover, which should have been a penalty to Fiji, in my opinion. But... Um, I'd probably go Damian McKenzie, um, but I think Will Jordan is the future there, and he'll be the man in the twenty-three in the twenty twenty-three World Cup in the fifteen jersey.
Jono, thanks very much for your thoughts. Uh, folks, you can join in the the. the well, a debate, if you like, about uh, what do you think about the All Blacks. In fact, not too far away from the All Blacks naming that uh, next squad going forward to the championship uh, events in the Bledisloe Cup. So uh, that's coming up very shortly. Ian Foster will be pretty much heading to the microphone in about 20 minutes or so. Coming up uh, very shortly for us, it's netball. It's such an important time of the season for domestic netball. We're getting to the pointy side of it. And who better to talk to than the lovely Courtney Tyree, a uh, fantastic netball analyst and commentator with us very, very shortly. Netball time now, and uh, it really is an important time for the ladies. Yesterday, it's been a big uh, weekend of netball, actually, because these games are all so important. Yesterday, the Tactics 49 and Magic 47, really important result that for the Tactics. Uh, and uh, the Mystics 56, the Pulse 54, two really close games. Sideline at the Mystics Pulse game was our very special guest, Courtney Tyree. Good morning to you, Courtney. Gee, uh, did you expect two close encounters of, of that regard? If you look at the table, they, they should have been a little bit more one-sided than that, shouldn't they? Yes, good morning, Susie. Thanks for having me. Uh, they should have, but uh, when you come up against teams like Magic and Pulse who are out of finals contention, uh, we all knew that they'd be hard to come up against in these final two rounds and that they could... Uh, caused some upsets, and they both almost did it. But uh, the Mystics, they got their win last night down in Wellington, and they've secured the minor premiership, and we know they're going through to the grand final on Sunday, August 8th. And the tactics, they're almost there, but it all comes down to tonight's game. So seasons to forget, really, or are they for the Magic and the Pulse? So obviously, they've been well-performed teams in the past. They've been headline acts, but there just hasn't been that this time around. Do we put that down to development, or do we just put that down to uh, just having a really poor season and not living up to expectations? I think a little bit of both, and I think for the Magic, they probably didn't recruit as well as what they should have. They signed some big names who I think came in injured or underdone. So for them, they probably weren't smart, I think, uh, when they signed some players to their team. And then the Pulse, they did lose um, Katrina Rore and Emilia Anacanasio to pregnancy. So that was two big losses for them, which are worth about 12 points. And so they've had to do some juggling as well this season. So I think it is a little bit of both in that uh, probably not recruited as well, but also when these things happen, you should have the depth to be able to still uh, stand up and win more games, especially than what the Magic have won this season. Tonight is a really important encounter. The Stars are at home to the Southern Steel. Uh, tell us the significance of this game and uh, in terms of the table and the playoffs, what we've still got to find out. Yeah, this is the one to watch tonight. So make sure everyone tunes in because if the Stars lose, they are gone completely. They are out of finals contention and it will be a Southern Derby in the elimination final between the Tactics and the Steel. However, if the Stars win, then every, there's still uh, the Tactics, the Steel and the Stars are still fighting it out and it all comes down to next round, the last round of the championship. So the Stars tonight, it really is their grand final. And the Steel, if they don't get a win, they really need to get the bonus point so that they still sit... Uh, very closely to the tactics who are in second place at the moment. What's gone wrong? Why have they hit sort of a slump there? I mean, you know, they were hot, really, really hot, the Stars, and all of a yeah. sudden they're fighting for their lives. Yeah, it's a funny one, actually. So they came in really well done. They were undefeated at uh, the start of the season and no one could really get a handle on them. But I think teams started to slowly work 
test them out and figure out their game plan. And then they've gone through this slump and then I feel like just sort of the team itself is sort of struggling with things away from the court. We've seen Maya Wilson open up about uh, stuff that she's going through. So I think the timing of it for them during the season hasn't been great across their team. uh, And they've sort of, I guess, to me, it looks like their heads may be in other places at the moment when it should be really focused on uh, this final run into the finals of the season. So for me, it's whether or not they can, I guess, just pull it together as a team tonight and sort it out because they're, yeah, they've gone a few losses back to back now. Really exciting time for netball coming up as well because the announcement have just been made of two away and two home games against Australia. So certainly uh, also an opportunity for players to make a statement for Nolene. Well, that's the other thing that we're talking about, especially this time, everyone's trying to play for finals, but then they also know on the back of their mind, because two days after the grand final on August the 10th, Nolene will name her Silver Fern squad. So players are playing to get in the finals, and then they're also playing for, I guess, a spot in the Silver Fern squad. And the teams like Magic and Pulse, who can't make finals, all these players are still playing to put their hands up to try and make that Silver Fern squad. And there are a few... Uh, positions open with pregnancies and players being out. So there will be a few changes uh, to, I think, Dame Knowles' squad. And then she also has the fitness standard that everyone must make. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what players will make that fitness standard and put their hands up. And also very interesting to see if some players don't make it because we've seen recently some players haven't been making that standard. Courtney Tyree, thanks so much for your time. Our new captain, of course, by the way, too, with uh, Amelia and uh, having uh, a baby coming up. So uh, clear, quite clear we need a new captain Correct. as well. Courtney is uh, will be on the netball zone at, tonight at Sky on Sky at 8.45. And that'll be uh, just after that all-important game between the Steel and the Stars. Thank you very much, Courtney Tyree, for your input this morning. Always great to talk to you. Uh, look, coming up very shortly, folks, uh, we have got... Louis Herman Watt. I call him Pee Wee, actually. Pee Wee Herman. Uh, and, and he's uh, going to come in with a, a little bit of racing update on the Love Racing segment of the show. He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Superman! Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The Love Racing Update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. Louis Herman Watt, breakfast show personality, worn out after your first effort this morning. Boy, you guys were busy this morning. But in terms of racing, what have you got lined up for us today? Well, there's no way we covered enough enough racing this morning because you can never cover enough racing, Smithy, as you know. Over the weekend, it was wet. Mm. Boy, was it wet. No Wellington races? Yeah, the Wellington steeplechase and hurdles were called off, uh, abandoned. Because it was too wet, so horse and personnel jockey safety comes to the fore, doesn't it? Yeah. So they didn't want to run it. So what it will be run as is the same, Wellington and uh, Wellington Steeple and Hurdle, but at Hastings. Oh, we're bailing them out again, are we? Hawke's Bay. (laughs) Well, fancy that, eh? Hawke's Bay comes to the fore again. Yeah, righto. Yeah, so they will be there on Thursday. $75,000 races, the features. So that'll be going on. Thursday? Thursday. 9 to 12, Ian Smith works 9 to 12. Oh, okay. Afternoons then. 100%. You'll be down at the track. Over the weekend, they were racing at Ruakaka, just the one meet, and there was some fantastic racing. I was tipping out St. Alice in the last to anyone that would listen to me. Ran a very good effort for uh, Peter and Dawn Williams, 
and um, just went down by a lip on the line in the slop. Michael McNam did a great job piloting. That's one for the black book. You're probably not going to get much meat on the bones next up, but should be going pretty good. So that, that would be about it for me, Smithy. Willie, uh, Willie, I was just going to say Willie. Willie Nichols actually just is uh, texting in, actually, friend of the show, um, wishing us all the best. Um, yeah, it's just fantastic. Uh, mate, thank you very much for your input. Every day? Every day? Every day, Smithy. This same time, JD? Every time. Yeah. Same time. Okay, that's your See home. you tomorrow. Everything thoroughbred racing, loveracing.new Zealand. That's it. So happy to be with you. Uh, our next hour is pretty busy as well. It's been frantic so far. Uh, we've uh, at 11.30 got uh, an opportunity for you to stump me. It could be, uh, you know, with sporting knowledge, really, basically. We'll, we'll be asking you some questions. Uh, and um, really, if you can answer them, and I can't, you win. What do you win? 50 bucks worth of TAB bonus bets. Unbelievable, just like that. Uh, you have to have an account number to win it so we can put the money in there so you can have a bit of a play. Uh, we've got Andrew Voss coming up uh, very, very shortly. I mean, I've got to ask him if he's got any voice left. We'll find out very shortly. I think he called three games over the weekend. Vossy, absolute legend of uh, rugby league calling. He is just the man you go to and the man you feel comfortable with. So Vossy's coming up very shortly. Um, also, we'll have uh, a lot more opportunities for you to call in. We'll have some chat. But uh, as promised, All Blacks. All Blacks have named a new squad. Uh, John, you can be the man that names it for us. Please, who's in, who's out? Thank you very much, Smithy. It is my pleasure to produce to you the Rugby Championship squad. Uh, no Sam Kane, of course. He was our first guest on this morning uh, at 10 past nine. He told us he will be back for Bay of Plenty near the end of the Bunnings MPC. So no Sam Kane. We'll start with the hookers. Asafa Moore has retained his place. Dane Coles and Cody Taylor. Then in the propping department, Offa Tuanga Fussy is back from injury. He joins Carl Tuanukuafe, Angus Ta'aval, Joe Moody. Also back from injury, Tyrell Lomax and Nipo Laulala. So that front row looking a lot more solid now with Offa and Joe Moody in there. Scott Barrett, Brody Retallick, Patrick Tupilotu, Tupu Va'i and Samuel Whitelock. So the same locks that were involved in the recent series. Then to the loose forwards, Ethan Blackadder, Shannon Frizzell, Akira Yuani, Luke Jacobson, Dalton Papali'i, Adi Savia and Hoskin Satutu. So that's the same group again that was in that first three tests. TJ Pedernada is back, having played just club rugby. So Finlay Christie drops out. Aaron Smith and Brad Webber still there. Bowden Barrett and Richie Moonga. Braden Enor retains his place, even though he's been injured for the first three tests of the year in the midfield with David Avili, Rico Iwani, Anton Leonard-Brown and Quintu Pyre. And then the outside backs, Geordie Barrett, George Bridge, Will Jordan, Damian McKenzie and Sevo Reese. But George Bauer will remain with the squad as injury cover for Joe Moody. Samasoni, Tokiaho and Finlay Christie will also stay with the squad as cover. So, Smithy, we've got a 39-man all-black squad for this rugby championship. Uh, uh, officially 36, though, with, with those guys floating around. Yep. Pleased to see Joe Moody back. Uh, you know, I, I think that's very instrumental going forward in the tougher matches, so nice to see him back. Hard luck for Finlay Christie, but just uh, just a, a fact, really. And you will have to say that the all-black selectors in the past, or particularly this group, have been very, very faithful uh, to their players, uh, you know, when you have injury problems or issues, uh, they generally give you the opportunity to come back and and get to the standard that you were in the past. So, uh, yeah, and that's a good feeling as a player to know that uh, that, that situation is going to happen. So, yeah, really, really happy. I should also mention uh, later this hour we're going to talk to Dean McKenzie. Uh, very, very influential man in the TAB. TAB, of course, uh, are partners with us uh, and the racing industry are partners with us. 
uh, in this new venture of SENZ Sport and uh, it'd be nice to get their impression of how they perceive racing is going to be broadcast and the fact that it's back on the radio is really, really good. So uh, I, I think, yeah, interesting times, not just for us here in radio sport, interesting times in the racing industry. New board appointed just the other day, new moves a- afoot, so we'll just see how, how that uh, branches out. We're getting Andrew Voss up on the line very, very shortly and uh, as I said, Impressive performance, I thought, by the Warriors. He'll have more information. Uh, time now to, to go across to Australia. Uh, this is an honour for me to talk to this fellow. Uh, he is, uh, to me, becoming a real legend of the calling of rugby league. Uh, and uh, when he says what's happening in rugby league, I absolutely believe it. So, uh, Vossi, Andrew Voss, good morning to you. Uh, have you got any voice left, first of all, mate? What a weekend uh, of rugby league in the NRL on the back of uh, State of Origin 3. Couldn't have been a better time for the game. Mr Smith, uh, thank you for the introduction. You're very kind. Uh, lovely to be on the program and congratulations to all the team on uh, first day uh, giving birth to a radio station. Uh, quite painful. Um, <laughs> look, yeah, no, that, what, what an incredible week to come on there. So, uh, we've, you know... Th- that was a miracle. Let me tell you, you know how TV works, and perhaps our listeners don't know, but the logistics around, you, you say you're going to move a game, that, is, that impacts a lot of people, and a lot of cameras, a lot of equipment, a lot of technical staff, and over here in Australia, we can't get staff into Queensland. So Queensland suddenly on the weekend became the centre of sport in this country that had not only a full round of rugby league, had you know a handful of AFL games, had a rugby union test on Saturday night at Suncorp Stadium already locked in Australia and France, and had the supercars up in Townsville. That is a a stretching of resources beyond what was available. I don't know how they pulled it off on the weekend that our listeners were able to view all of those sports. It was an absolute miracle, trust me. Vossi, can we just start in terms of the games uh, played and the ones that you witnessed? Uh, can we just go back uh, two or three days to State of Origin 3? Mm. Um, look, how do you lose the first two so badly and, and turn around and win the next one? Is that just good old maroon jumper pride as a, a poor performance by the Blues? Uh, was it the old dead rubber syndrome that Australian sports teams try to suffer from every now and then? Yeah, well, there was, there was no no doubt the New South Wales performance was nowhere near as clinical as the first two games. I mean, they created um, potentially just as many chances but didn't ice them, and, and that was proven with the play of players like Tom Trevojevic and James Tedesco and Cameron Murray. There were drop balls on the night that just didn't happen in the first two games. New South Wales wanted to win. It wasn't a case of New South Wales not turning up, but I just thought Queensland came with an attitude, we're just not going to lose. They said, we'll do whatever we have to do not to lose, and the improvement was in their goal line defence. I know they had a, a couple of lapses in the game, and well, Latrell Mitchell's opening try was certainly evidence of that, but I just thought Queensland's goal line defence, in the big picture, uh, got them the game, um, and, and, and I've seen it all before. I have seen it all before. Queensland written off, Origin's dead, New South Wales dynasty is starting, and then Maroons lob up and, and win a game. Uh, no, uh, you know... Reports on Origins' deaths were grossly exaggerated. Uh, Origins alive and kicking, and uh, New South Wales have the shield. Queensland have thrown a spanner into the works uh, a year out from the next game and in the next series. Uh, over the weekend, uh, starting Friday night, you called the the Eels 26 over the Titans 8, uh, Manly 32, the Dragons 18, the Roosters 34, the Cowboys uh, 18. Uh, perhaps the the big upset of, of those sides in the in the six or round about the eight uh, with the Raiders knocking over the Sharks quite convincingly. Is that the way that you saw it? 
Yeah, well, they're finding form. Well, well, put it this way. It's probably early to say they're back, but they have won back-to-back games. Now, Canberra's only won consecutive games on one previous occasion this year. Um, Ricky Stewart's team have had a, have had a wretched time, um, and, and I still think there's a massive amount of improvement. But on what I saw of Canberra on the weekend, and they beat Cronulla, you know, a chief contender, I think at their best, they're better than the Dragons, and they've probably got all the others in that bracket, the Cowboys the Titans, the Tigers, they're probably better than all of them. So if they can string together another couple, I think we're going to be talking about Canberra playing finals football again. I thought the most exciting element out of that, if our listeners miss the game, know the name Xavier Savage. The Canberra Raiders have their Reese Walsh, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Xavier Savage looks an exceptional talent. He is probably the quickest player in the game, but it's more than just speed about him. If you saw every time he touched the ball in this game, and the kid... As a teenager, you know, his third appearance in the NRL proved his toughness. He battled through injury as well. I love the signs there. Xavier Savage, uh, well worth watching for the Canberra Raiders. Storm absolutely smashing the Knights, too. Right, I mean, there's it's a lot of rugby league to go. There's still plenty of rounds to go and then the playoffs, etc. But if you were having a bet this far out, would you be pretty safe knowing that the Storm are going to get you a long way towards winning? Yeah, well, look, I said at the start of the year, my, my pre-season forecast was a Melbourne-South-Sydney Grand final. I actually went with that was the very first game of the of the season. South played Melbourne. I said that would be the first and last game. I think, and it's been proven, South Sydney's only losses this year have been to Melbourne twice and to Penrith. They're the only sides the Rabbitohs have lost to, and I think that's a reflection of that. Souths are a very good side. The Roosters have had their injury worries. Parramatta still little question mark. Melbourne, Penrith, the best two sides, and now Melbourne are proving themselves week in, week out. Doesn't matter what adversity they have to overcome. I mean, the other day they were just told on hours' notice, pack your bags, we're off again. They didn't even know what hotel they were going to. They didn't know what what venue they were playing at, and they put that all aside. And you know, had plenty of excuses not to play well, but they play exceptionally well. You know, and that that happens week after week after week. With Ryan Pappenhausen still to come back, can you believe? Mm. Um, now Melbourne Storm are, are the favourites ahead of Penrith. But a repeat of last year's grand final at the moment is very much on the cards. Look, you were probably pre- preparing uh, for the Rabbitohs versus the, the Bulldogs. Um, that was a, a slightly better performance by the Bulldogs, although the Rabbitohs uh, predictably overran them. Uh, the, the Broncos uh, looked pretty good for a while until the West Tigers got uh, easily on top of them, 42-24, which brings us to the game that all New Zealanders, of course, were interested in, uh, the Panthers against the Warriors. My God, uh, it's like a mass unit, that Warriors outfit in the first half, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, well, someone needs to put up their hand. Someone had a... Someone yesterday had a Warriors voodoo doll and kept on putting pins in it. Yeah. <laughs> it just, it just uh, destroyed the Warriors. I, honestly, and, my, and I've got to call it as I see it in terms of the performance, if that performance was replicated week in, week out, the Warriors would be a lot higher up the table. In defeat yesterday, they were better than many of their performances this year, possibly some of their wins, to be perfectly frank. Um, it's a matter of, you know, I looked at the draw. Look, it, it's not all over for the Warriors, but like, Canberra, I mean, you know, first you've got to win one, then you're going to win back-to-back, and then see if you can win three or four, because you will leave some of the other teams behind. Um, you know, as I say, from Team 7, I'll go all the way down to, well, probably, look, even, even the Broncos, if they aim up. I mean, Team 7 to Team 15, I don't know that there's a lot between all of them, mm-hmm. to be honest. You know, so if you can win three or four, and the potential's there to do it, you will find yourself right in the firing line to be playing final football, and then, well, who knows? Who knows? You know, you, you know you've got to you've got to aim aim high. So, you know, the Warriors. It's desperate now. It is desperate. 
But, um, you know, next week's a new week. Everyone's away from home, basically, except for the Queensland clubs. Um, so it's how you adapt and, and adjust. And the Warriors know all about being on the road, don't they? They certainly do. Uh, look, uh, Toho Harris, Roger Tuavasa-Shek, folks, if you didn't uh, watch the game yesterday, this is what happened. In the space of basically five minutes, Toho Harris with an ACL injury, uh, Roger Tuavasa-Shek got a horrific head knock, uh, Wade Egan, and then uh, Rocco Berry, who uh, actually had a hamstring problem as well. I mean, that's just five minutes from hell for Nathan Brown to try yeah. and get over. He, he must have... He must have looked down with pride. I know it's been a tough week for him anyway with a loss in the family, but he must have got a lot out of that. And, and perhaps some hope, Fossey? Yeah, oh, absolutely. And they were playing the Panthers, albeit Penrith without Nathan Cleary and Jerome Luai. They are, they are playing a team that's become very used to winning. So, yeah, I, I say yesterday in terms of effort, and more than just effort, there was a lot of skill involved as well. I, I think, you know, you've got to treat it as the springboard to right, right, let's assess it. Competition starts now, next week. We've all settled down after the disruption of last week, teams moving into hubs and all of that. You really have to reboot this week and have a red-hot crack. And, and you know, every every comeback has to start with one game. So it has to start this week for the Warriors and then keep assessing, keep assessing. The most boring cliche in rugby league is one game at a time, mm. but never more has it been more appropriate than right now, given how tight it is from... Team 7 all the way down to the bottom of the ladder with the exception of Canterbury. Yeah, Sunshine Coast on Saturday actually. The Warriors uh, play the Rabbitohs. I don't know who's away and who's at home to be perfectly honest. No, no, you don't. No, yeah. no, that's right. No, that's right. Gibbs have no idea. Just, no idea. Just finally, no Fossey, uh, with all these uh, games being played at basically one or two venues, these grounds going to stand up to the traffic? That's well, a good that's a good question. Um, so even at uh, Seabar Super Stadium the other night on the Gold Coast, they, they, they didn't allow the teams to warm up before the first game on the field. Um, so, yes, it had an origin and five games. Never seen the like of it. Um, so, no, that, that's a question, Mark. All, all you can say, at least, you know, the weather's going to be, I think the weather forecast is, is reasonably good. They're not going to get any sort of, you know, uh, monsoonal rains or anything like that this time of year. So, so hopefully they hold up. But um, outside of, you know, you've got Townsville, you've got Suncorp, you've got uh, the Sunshine Coast Stadium and you've got the Gold Coast. At a pinch, possibly Redcliffe is another potential venue, but that's about it for, uh, for South East Queensland. Perhaps they'd look at it as a standby ground. But again, you've got to, you've got to keep in communicating with the broadcasters because it's not, it doesn't just happen setting up broadcasts at, at grounds and travel and getting equipment there. So, yeah, th- this is a... This is a really testing time for the games officials. We got through the weekend miraculously. Who knows what the next three or four days hold in terms of COVID cases and the like. Um, we might end up in, you know, who knows, we might end up based in Townsville, a whole lot of them. Mm. We might just keep pushing further north and north. I'm, I'm not saying that flippantly either. I'm saying that, you know, south-east Queensland, there's a lot of people up there in Brisbane. It wouldn't take too many cases for... Um, the rugby league to then have to go to plan D or E, which might be playing in front of empty stadiums or then relocating even further north. Yep, really got some decisions to make on the back of all the decisions they've made already, uh, the NRL, but they do a hell of a fine job. And uh, throughout COVID, uh, I take my hat off to them. They kept me going, I can promise you that. Uh, Andrew Voss, thank you very much. We're going to be speaking to Vossi, folks, every Monday morning from now on. I really look forward to that segment. We're much better educated about uh, the state of the NRL and rugby league after doing that. Uh, Very shortly, we're going to find out a little bit more about what's going on at the TAB. We're going to talk to uh, their chief 
Transition Officer, Dean McKenzie, and man, has he had a job in the last 12 months or so throughout uh, everything that's been going on in the racing industry. Dean McKenzie, very, very shortly. Uh, a few ads to go through, uh, and then we'll be back with him. And uh, obviously, uh, I mentioned before, Stump Smithy, that's coming up before midday too. Wouldn't you know it, uh, we've had our first defaulter, and it's not uh, for anyone's uh, particular blame either. Dean McKenzie can't join us all of a sudden because uh, Dino's just been called into a meeting uh, and that happens when you're in important jobs uh, around the place, a transitioning officer for the TAB. There's always issues for him to deal with so we'll hope to get him uh, either tomorrow or the next day anyway. going to ask him about uh, having racing back on the radio, our partnership with the TAB and uh, with uh, thoroughbred bloodstock in particular in New Zealand and, and all the great people involved with there. Just what state the industry is in. I just got some money actually from uh, a the government, probably never enough, is it, when the government, uh, unless you're perhaps in the mongrel mob. Um, COVID, TV, TAB, uh, how they've operated uh, in terms of COVID uh, and, and how they managed to get a lot of New Zealanders through that, the transitioning to digital betting. There's a lot of issues to talk through in the racing industry. So I'm, I'm a bit sorry that we missed out on Dino this time around. Uh, our commitment to racing, though, is undoubted. We've got uh, racing shows uh, in the weekend in particular. We've got the Early Mail with uh, Louis uh, and Michael Guerin. Mel mate Mick. Uh, the Good Oil, uh, 1 to 5 on Saturday. That other one is Saturday morning. Uh, Saturday afternoon, 1 to 5. Tana Walters, Mark Clayton. Uh, and uh, they have a third person there. It might be Steve Davis this week, I think. A legendary auctioneer and uh, aficionado on, on all things racing. Butch Castles last weekend. So they've got plenty on. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, Butch will be a regular guest as well. Loves a uh, great all-rounder, Butch Castles. Not, not the same size Butch Castles anymore, just by the by. Absolutely trim, trim lean machine. Right, uh, speaking of lean machines, uh, you can uh, head off to the Bledisloe Cup if you're lucky. Uh, you could be our caller of the month. You get to Perth, go to the Optus Stadium, which I've raved about already, but I, I believe it is perhaps the best stadium, certainly in the southern atmosphere, uh, maybe a, akin to some of the ones uh, up north as well. I was lucky to visit during the Rugby World Cup. It uh, eats Wembley. It eats Wembley. Optus Stadium, I can promise you that. 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. Uh, you could be caller of the month. Uh, you get to return flights to Perth. Uh, two nights accommodation, including breakfast, pre-game function, including food and drinks, premium reserve seating as well. And that's a complimentary uh, pool, ballpark entertainment. Ballpark entertainment, fantastic uh, price for there. We've uh, got a, I'll get messages through uh, on a machine I've got in here. Uh, they're listening to us in Australia, which is great, isn't it? Uh, Will was at the Warriors yesterday. Uh, he thought it was absolutely fantastic. He's listening on the Gold Coast. So cool to have New Zealand sport back on air. He thought the Warriors did well, considering they had no bench. We just talked about that with Vossi. That was absolutely brilliant. Uh, heartwarming performance, actually, although it doesn't show on the points table. Uh, also in Strathalbyn, South Australia. Go Smithy, love your humour, mate. Good luck, uh, Get back on the air, um, enjoying having you back there. Uh, we're getting messages from all over the joint. Wow, what an interview. You could hear the passion in Stu Wilson's voice. Now, if you wanted to hear that again, John Day, how would you go about it? Yes, Smithy, um, everything we do here, you don't have to catch live on the radio. You can get on our social media, which I know you're massive on. Mm. Smithy, always tweeting. Wife banned me. Did she? Yeah, I think I was on for about seven tweets and I got banned. You know why? I'm a knee jerker. Uh, you know, I, I react very quickly. I don't take uh, five steps backwards and then come forward. I take five steps forward and then wish I'd have gone backwards. Yeah. That's the kind of guy I am. So, um, yeah, my wife banned me and my kids uh, trembled. 
when they thought that I might be on there, they they monitor some of my Facebook posts, and I'm pretty bad on that as yeah, well. Yeah, well, your show is on Twitter, SENZ oh, okay. Mornings with Ian Smith. So just jump on there, and we're going to post the links to all the interviews we do pretty much instantly. Because in here with me is Brian Rarity. He's an absolute whiz when it comes to social media. So that interview with Stu Wilson. Uh, just amazing, wasn't it? And it's must listen to. So if you missed it earlier at 10 o'clock when he was with us live, uh, absolutely head on to SENZ Mornings on Twitter and there will be uh, links to all the interviews we've done. Ben Kennings from Surfing as well. Uh, Sam Kane about his injury and how he thinks the All Blacks are going mm. and uh, how he thinks refereeing is going with the red card as well. And right now I actually want you uh, to call that number that Smithy gave you. 0800 150 811 uh, because after Trudy's news which is coming up in about a minute and a half Smithy yeah we're going to play a quiz and you can go into the draw to win a $50 TAB bonus bet and how's your general knowledge Smithy when it comes to sport outstanding if it's generally about cricket or golf yeah it's a little bit of rugby those other obscure sports that you know are not really obscure but they are in my mind uh, you'll probably get me on. So, And you can win, can't you? You can win up to 50 bucks worth of betting vouchers, providing you've got a, a TAB account. Just quickly, before we go to the news, did you realise the Tour de France is over? Did you realise it was on? No. Man. No, it's not my thing. Um, you know, back, back in the day with Lance Armstrong, you know, and, and what he did to the sport, I've never managed to get back on the bike, so to speak, Smithy. Uh, I couldn't even tell you who the winner was of the Tour de France this year. I can. Okay. Tade. Tade Pojica. Yeah? Yeah. Household name? Yeah, absolutely. Well, he should be. He's won two in a row. <laughs> yeah. That's how good he is. So, man, oh, man. Uh, you know, it just, just, just drifted away. Uh, maybe because of COVID, maybe because the Olympics is just around the corner. It's always on at the same time as or Wimbledon or, or whatever's going on in, in the UK as well. So Lewis Hamilton fought back from 10-second penalty uh, for a crash uh, to win uh, the British Grand Prix, always yeah. uh, an important one for those boys to Man, win. Man, I don't know about that. Like, Lewis Hamilton has clearly crashed into Max Verstappen in that race, and Lewis Hamilton gets a 10-second penalty but goes on to win the race, whereas Max Verstappen crashed out of the race completely. So who's really winning and losing there? I don't know. I, I've absolutely got no idea. Uh, and uh, Trudy pointed out earlier that two South African footballers have become the first competitors to test positive for coronavirus in the Athletes' Village. That makes me nervous. Village, very crowded place. Five days before the start of the Olympic Games. Honestly, you wake up in the morning and you think, is it on still? Is it on still? Uh, I think everyone's feeling the same way. Extremely, extremely nervous. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. It's quiz time. It's intense. Ian Smith up against the listeners this morning on SENZ. It is 27 to midday. Uh, basically, the rules are simple of this. Uh, you call in, and then I'll give you three options of three different sports. You choose which sport you want to have. Answer three questions correctly. You go into the draw on Friday to win $50 worth of bonus bets to the TAB. But as soon as you get one wrong, the ball goes through to the keeper. You've charged down the wicket and Smithy gets the opportunity to stump you and you are gone and you'll be leaving with nothing. So up on the line first, we have Paul. Paul, welcome to SCNZ. Well, yeah, cheers. I actually, uh, I'm listening online, so... You know, I think that's a little bit behind. So you just run up for a chat, but as it turns out, I'm here for a quiz now. So you <laughs> beauty, hey? Well, you could be a winner by mistake, which is great. So your three options for sports are going to be rugby, 
cricket or summer Olympics? Which sports would you like to answer questions from? Oh, go cricket, mate. You're going to take on Smithy and cricket. You better not get one wrong. No, no. Well, I'm, I'm not optimistic, but, um, but you know, it's, it's all good. We'll have a bit of fun. I wonder if Smithy can remember um, Derek Randall running around the boundary and sticking out his right hand and catching him in uh, the Turbot Park in 1984. <laughs> Yeah, I can. <laughs> what an athlete, eh? Arkle. Derek Randall, what a character. We'll have stories about Derek Randall and many cricketers in the, in the months ahead, I can promise you. All right, Paul, we're getting ready to go. Here is the music. We are starting Stumped by Smithy. Your first question, Paul. Who has the best test bowling average out of Tim Southey, Neil Wagner and Trent Bolt? Neil Wagner. Paul, you're absolutely right. There he goes, all the way, up into the stand, one ahead in the first tier. That's hitting a critical. It's come charging out of the crease, Smithy, and smack that for six. Would you have got that right? Uh, yeah, I got that one. Yeah. yeah. All right. Wags, very, very good. Number two. Get two more right, Paul, and you will be in the draw for a $50 TAB voucher. New Zealand's first test match was against England in 1930. What year was New Zealand's first test victory? Oh, uh, okay, not against England. Um, what was that, sorry, Paul? 1956. Smithy, what do you reckon? It's in the 50s, definitely in the 50s. Against the West Indies? That wasn't a slog, that was a calculated shot. He's nailed it, Paul. He's nailed it. 1956 against the West Indies. You're also correct, Smithy. Paul, that was remarkably well done. One last question. Get this right, and you're into the draw. Smithy won't even get a chance. Who has scored the most runs in Test cricket history? Take your time, Paul. Yeah. King Dolker. Well, Paul... That's a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Another boundary for Paul Smith. He didn't even give you a chance. 15,921 runs. Sachin Tendulkar, well done, Paul. You're into the draw on Friday to win a $50 bonus bet TAB voucher. Oh, outstanding. I must say, I'm quite impressed with myself. Yeah, <laughs> so am I, actually. Yeah, you should actually just call up for a chat more often. You can end up with 50 bucks worth of vouchers next time around. Fantastic performance, actually, particularly at... Well, you, got, you, left, me on, you left me on hold for 25 minutes in the, in the first hour there, and it cut off at the news. Did it really? 25 minutes? Yeah. You were that keen to get through? OK. Well, that's $2 an hour you've earned, then. Uh, what, $2 a minute? You know, hanging online there for 25 minutes. Well done, Paul, and hang on the line, because we're going to need to get your details as well. Oh, good. Excellent, Paul. Well done, mate. Smithy, didn't even give you a look, and yeah. I was sure that second question about when was New Zealand's first test victory was going to be enough to stump him. Yeah, well, we didn't win many early on. We win a lot more these days, so it wasn't that hard uh, from that particular point of view. So, uh, yeah, no, it's great. 0 for 1, just fantastic way to start a successful day, John. Don't take it personally, no, Smithy. Well, if you don't get an opportunity to well, stump true. them, then, you know, you can't be blamed. It's like being run out without facing a ball, really, isn't it? <laughs> Hey, I might go down to the shops then. <laughs> yeah. How about this one? Go get my lunch. I, I, I used to talk. I used to uh, talk to Martin Crow. I used to hate it when Martin Crow, the late Martin Crow, got stumped. And I, I, I used. I say it's agonising. We talked about it. We we kind of agree that it was like, you know, on Sunday morning when you want a cup of tea, 
and you haven't got any milk in the fridge. Yeah. But you know that the milk's out on the front step. These are the old days when you, the milk was out on the front step. It's like, you know, you, you're naked or semi-naked. Whoa. And you walk out to get the milk and you hear the front door close behind you. Oh. And it's locked. That's what getting stumped <laughs> feels like. Going out to get the milk and hearing the door close behind you. Such a hollow, hollow feeling. So there you go. Absolutely. Well done, Paul. Yep. Stumped by Smithy. We have our first winner, Paul. So you will go into the draw and you need a TAB account if you want to enter the quiz or else we can't get the bonus bets to you. So, right. yeah. Next time you're calling tomorrow, we'll do this at the same time every day, just after 11.30. Uh, just make sure you've got a TAB account. And I think we should take more callers, yep, Smithy. Absolutely. 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. We'll say that number quite a lot in the first uh, few days, the few first few weeks of the show, because um, you know we want you to get it and remember it and put it, write it down somewhere, along with 8833, which is uh, the, the text numbers as well, 8833. Uh, also, uh, we should say 12 to 4, really looking forward to this afternoon, which is really only 20 minutes away, 22 minutes away. It's 11.38 here on SCNZ. Uh, Mark Stafford. Staffy, uh, I'm so uh, looking forward to spending the afternoons with him. He'll put balance into the day. He'll put balance into the day. He's got some wonderful guests I know already lined up uh, on day one. And, uh, you know, a lot of people will remember Staffy from his TAB days. He was the man that said bet on this, and he was pretty accurate in what he did. So uh, Staffy is our 12 to 4 man. We'll have a chat to him just prior to 12 o'clock on uh, the absolute details of what he's got coming up on his first show here on SCNZ. Can I just thank you, everyone? Thanks very much for supporting us uh, so well on day one. It's been a bit of a nerve-wracking day for all of us. Some of us have played a lot of international sport, uh, but this is totally new, a new venture, and the butterflies have been in the stomach. So, hey, look, thanks for your calls. Thanks for your texts as well, uh, particularly uh, Ken. Thanks very much uh, for your best wishes, saying so great to have all our team uh, on air. Uh, so good to hear sport back on the airwaves. Uh, that's from Stu. Uh, Smithy, are you doing this show from Turks, which is my local bar in Havelock North, uh, or doing it up in Auckland? Well, for the next three days, today included, Jono, I'm actually doing it here in Auckland. Um, so it's been fantastic. Here's a quite a passionate one, Staff. Uh, uh, sorry, uh, JD, uh, about uh, Staff will be with us very shortly, by the way. Uh, All Black Selectors show a lot of faith in their players. My question is, why didn't they show any faith in Bowden Barrett? after he won World Player of the Year twice at number 10. I feel like Bowden Barrett was hard done by after he waited for his time and then replayed, uh, not replayed by the coaches for being the best player in the world. So there's obviously still that debate uh, around uh, Bowden Barrett and, of course, um, Richie Moonga and Damien McKenzie, for that matter. Um, and, and we'll have uh, details of that All Black squad named uh, about 50 minutes ago by Ian Foster again throughout the afternoon. Well, John. I'd, li I'd like to hear your opinion on that, Smithy. As far as I'm concerned, Bowden Barrett left New Zealand. When you leave New Zealand, you know, that's the risk that you take, that someone in New Zealand plays better. Yeah. So Richie Moonga, I think, thoroughly deserves to be the All Black first five at the moment, even though Bowden Barrett has been a two-time player of the year. You can't leave and give someone else a chance. Hey, look, Bowden Barrett's a fantastic player. There's no doubt about it. But there is a saying in life, never give a sucker an even break. He did that. He ran the risk. Uh, Richie Moonga's form for the Crusaders is undoubted. Uh, I do believe in my own mind uh, that uh, I think I'd rather have at the moment Richie Moonga kicking a goal to win a test match for me than Bowden Barrett. 
Jason's on the phone. Uh, Jace, thanks very much for, for waiting, but also thanks very much for uh, taking the time to call us on day one here. Uh, what are your impressions uh, of the rugby over the weekend? I reckon rugby in New Zealand is going well overall, and we need in Australia need to follow your example. And I reckon, and I reckon, I'd like to say to Smithy, welcome to the SN family officially, and to all the listeners, always give a good team a goal. Jason? And also I've got a special song to sing for you guys. Oh. Uh, just before you do, yeah, ja- Jason, yeah. before you do, where are you calling from? Australia, whereabouts, across the Tasman. Whereabouts in Australia? Victoria. So how are, you affected Victoria. At the, how are you affected at the moment, Jason? What's life like for you right now? It's going okay. Thank you, Smithy. Okay. Well, let's hope you stay safe and well. And you've got a song you say for us. Yes, it's a Mandy's song called Come Back Kids. Okay. Z will stand. Nothing can keep them down. You know... You know, they know you hold their hand. Even the world around them feels like it's caving in. SNZ won't quit their comeback kit and New Zealand, SNZ know that. Whatever they're going through, you've always got their back. So they're going to reach for you. You fight, they win. You fight, they win. Oh, yes, they won't quit because they're comeback kids. Check out this song on YouTube and buy every city of hers. Mendes is by her website. Excellent. Thank you very much, Jason, from Victoria. Uh, not quite sure what to make of that, but uh, it's uh, an outstanding effort, uh, to be fair, and uh, everything's happening here on day one. Uh, I, I just need, can you just give me a moment or two just to, to regroup after Jace? Can you do that for me, JD? Do us a favour. You know, I'm, I'm only a fledgling at this. We'll be back shortly with staff. Yeah, staff, please. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It is 11.53 here on SENZ and uh, I'm approaching the chequered flag on day one here. Uh, But taking over uh, the race uh, after midday is, man, I'm really pleased to call a workmate again. I've worked with this bloke for uh, quite a long time when he was involved heavily with the TAB uh, but we saw each other at a lot of sporting venues uh, around the country as uh, we went about our respective jobs. Uh, good morning to you Mark Stafford. Uh, I've got to say that building up to today and, and getting ready for this show being in, the station being on air in fact, you've been the most relaxed mm. yet uh, a long way out I think you were the guy ready to go. I've been ready for ages, mate. Yeah, yeah it's like, let me at it. Um, we're actually sitting in a studio where I've operated out for a number of years, so I guess there's nothing foreign in here to me, except you're in my seat at the moment, but yeah. I, I'll change that shortly. But uh, I'm just so excited, mate. Like, um, I'm a massive sports nut, same as you, same as our people out there that are that are listening in. And, uh, and it's interesting, you know, like people saying, oh, it looks like it's going to be a rugby and cricket show. It's anything but mm. like I, I, I enjoy exploring the stuff you don't know. I don't want to tell the same stories that everyone already knows. If you know what I mean. Mm. Um, so I'm going to skirt around issues. I'm going to get behind issues and and tell you and hopefully share some stories that um, will be engaging because you haven't heard them before. Tell us a wee bit about Mark Stafford that we might not know. I mean, you you know all about us. I mean, you've recorded things about us. What about you? What about Mark Stafford? Apart from the fact you like sport, what else? 
Mm, had a tough year. Um, I think it was reasonably well publicised that I got made redundant from the TAV, so it's quite funny. I'm back in the TAV office and back <laughs> in the TAV studio. Uh, but yeah, you're, I've interviewed all of you guys, and I'm going to have in the first week a uh, Know Your Host segment. I think today we're playing the Ricky Swinnell one because... Obviously, Ricky and Kirsty have headed off to the Olympics, but I don't know what you want to know about me. I'll just, I've just been addicted to sport ever since I can remember. Palmerston North Boys High. Palmy Boys High. Um, played a lot of rugby. Um, I, I was a representative swimmer, golfer. I've, I've played badminton at the Manawatu Champs. I've, I've done. I've played lots, but never really risen to the very, very top. But I've just loved being involved in it. And now, now I just love talking about it, and I love hearing about it. I, I'm not here to. Well, I'm here to help educate people, but I, I want people to educate me too. You're an artist. Mm. During the the break that you just mentioned that you had, you, you've uh, been on Facebook or whatever, on Facebook with your Facebook friend. Uh, a lot of art you, you've been involved in. I, I knew nothing about that, that side of you. No one did. <laughs> <laughs> and it was basically because I didn't paint much. And then um, I just did it when lockdown started. I was bored crazy and I thought what am I going to do with myself the first week was awesome as most people you know it's just a week at home this is great and then I just got bored so they had the old click and collect stuff at the art shop so I bought a few canvases some brushes and some paints and said oh, I wonder if I can still do this it had been 20 years and um, then I just started faffing around and um, just really loved it and like it's a real good um, brain escape for me because mm. you have to concentrate so hard and it just relaxes me and I, I just get into a zone you know I, I painted one on Saturday I painted one yesterday because um, I know I'm going to be downing tools for a while to prep this make sure this goes well but um, no I love I love the art What can we expect out of uh, four hours with Mark Stafford every weekday afternoon What uh, are you going to have any particular focus you, you got a, a blank piece of paper you're, you're, you're an all rounder Yeah reasonably blank like I, I've I've um, over the last few years, I've, I've championed female sport and athletes and administrators yep. and, and that sort of thing, and, and they've never, um, well, for a long time, they didn't, didn't really get a fair copy. I mean, you go back 20 years and about 5% of the sports pages was women. We're probably up to about 25 now. Uh, but um, since I got to know a few of the athletes and, and, and the people and the coaches that are involved, they're, Man, they're just tremendous people, and, and their stories aren't told. So, like today, for example, I've got Dame Nolene Taurua um, wow. co- coming on the show, yeah. and she's just so refreshing. She remembers your name, and she's genuinely happy to see you, and just very, very engaging. Um, I've got Sarah Hiddeny, um, who's going to be the flag bearer later later on this week, um, possibly tomorrow. Um, and I was thinking as I was driving in today, Smithy. My favourite national team to watch on telly. If every New Zealand national team was on TV live at the same time, you had to pick one to watch. Mm. Blackfern Sevens for me. Really? I absolutely love everything about them. Right. And I've got to know a lot of them well, and it helps if you're watching people that you know. But I just love their whole ethos. Set aside the rugby and, and how good they are at that, but the way they carry themselves and represent themselves and their families and their country and the, and the little girls out there and inspire them, they... They, to me, uh, at the moment, my favourite national sporting team to watch. Uh, aside from uh, Dame Nolene, who, who have you got this afternoon? Um, hopefully getting Bernard Saundry on, yep. CEO of uh, New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing, because um, they were a big part of getting um, the station up and running, the, the NZTR, the racing codes and the TAB. Obviously, we've flogged all the TAB's um, frequencies. Um, I've got Hamish Carter on today as well, Olympic gold medalist, wow. uh, extended chat with him, and really looking forward to the people joining in as well. Thanks very much, Steph. Uh, you can just 
ease your way over to this microphone very shortly. <laughs> but not for another 20 seconds. Uh, Ross Taylor tomorrow morning, folks, straight after 9 o'clock. We're also going to focus, get this, we're going to focus in on the very divisive issue of Laurel Hubbard. Oh, brave. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. Got some stuff coming up on that. Very, very interesting. Thanks for your company today. Brian, you've been outstanding. JD, you've got work to do.